This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Monday. Miserable, isn't it? What a horrible day. Monday. Mind you, the good news is it's another bank holiday weekend coming up. So next Monday, we'll be sitting here going, whoopee, it's the bank holiday. Yet again. Uh, tears as millions watch Poldark end in heartache. I've no idea what that story's about. The Apprentice convicted thug James Hill has been signed for Big Brother. Perhaps he can go out with Gemma Collins. The Beckhams hijack the marathon. Why don't they just stay at home in America? I'm so bored with the entire blooming family turning up for a photo shoot. Dear God in heaven. The race to save the seven Everest Brits and there could be more. Pepsi have ditched the diet drink sweetener over health fears. And uh, Deirdre's up for a top award. Can't imagine why. She's dead. What's the point of giving an award to somebody who's not even alive to enjoy it? Should they not have given it to her during her lifetime? Would that not have made more sense? Makes me sound... I thought about that, actually, before I said it. Because I was thinking, does that make me sound harsh because somebody's dead and they're giving them an award? And I thought, no. No, absolutely not. You give an award to the living. What's the point of giving it to the dead? They don't appreciate it. It's like giving flowers to the dead. They don't appreciate them. They just sort of are appreciative of the uh, of the florists. Great shame. Uh, the Aldi worker who's been hailed a hero. He did what we would have done years ago. You and I and millions and millions of people like you. Talking of millions, ignorant of the dangers of chicken, they say. Because we, we, just, we just accept chicken, don't we, now? As in fact, you can become really ill on uh, chicken. Justine Miliband... Goes out cycling the other day. Well, I mean, she breaks every rule under the sun. She cycles the wrong way down a one-way street. She mounts the pavement. She crosses a no-entry sign. Honestly, small wonder people have got little time for cyclists nowadays. And tattoos. The mark of a midlife crisis. I feel sorry for the people with them up their, up their necks. That's actually sort of the, you know, the, the sort of... You, you think, but you're going to have to get that lasered off very shortly. Because you can't keep it up. Who's going to employ somebody? You know, with a tattoo up their neck. It's not going to work, is it, really? And what are the police doing in London this morning? Answer loads of them. You know why? London Marathon. And so they were all underemployed, so they've just, they've just got them wandering around Leicester Square. It's quite, quite, it makes it very safe this morning. Very safe. I do like it. But I did watch a guy the other day. You know the police interceptor programmes that I so adore? And they had somebody there who quite clearly had no respect for the police whatsoever. Whatsoever. And he was sort of saying, what are you stopped me for? Well, because you weren't wearing your seatbelt. Yeah, because I'm asthmatic and I'm d- you're lying. Why are you lying through your teeth? And so it turned out he was lying. Uh, which is the town drowning in Costa coffee shops? Three, all sort of next to each other, practically. Where do you think that is? Windsor. I think the councillors down there must have lost their marbles. Apparently there are no rules about how many Costa coffee shops you can have. So they've got three. They've got sort of a Costa coffee shop. Then they've got one of their mini express coffee shop things. Then they've got another one. Are they paying tax here? I can't remember. I can never remember who's paying tax and who's not paying tax in this country. And uh, the boy, his toy in the airport staff. It's always parents, isn't it? It's always parents. I mean, it's, you know, it doesn't really matter that it's a toy gun. It matters the fact that this parent was stupid enough. Have you seen the picture in the paper today? The kid's wearing camouflage clothing. Who knows whether it's real? Who knows? He might have some psycho father. Very odd. Very, very odd. Broccoli is the breakthrough in the fight to fight arthritis. So we're all eating... I like broccoli. You know what some people do with it? They make it into a smoothie. Have you seen them on the television? There's a woman there who gets very excited about putting different fruits into a glass jar and whisking them up. 
And this particular one involved broccoli. A bit of ginger, a bit of broccoli, a bit of beetroot, a bit of just about everything. Because it's all good for you. Whether it's good for you when it's juiced, I don't know. But uh, I, do, I do like broccoli. I like little broccoli florets. Just chuck them into just about everything. And it's a picture of Jane Fonda in the paper today at 77. I mean, she looks amazing. 77, she looks really, really good. Yesterday, I went for a tour around. Like we did, it was... God, it was freezing. Wow, it was freezing yesterday. It's cold this morning, so put a vest on. OK, put a vest on. Don't, listen, don't take my word for it. Just open the door. It's cold. And uh, so finished, did a nice walk around Regent's Park. Frozen to death. Which was lovely. And uh, and then decided to go and... Uh, where did we go? Oh, that's right. We decided to go to the British Museum to go and see the new art exhibition of naked people from Greece. So we did that. I, I mean, I found it fascinating. I found it absolutely fascinating. I suddenly realised all Greek men have little willies. Because in all the stone statues, everybody looks exact. Perhaps it's the same willy that they've used for everybody. But it's just amazing that we've still got these things from 300 BC. I mean, it, just doesn't, it just doesn't even bear thinking about where does it come from? One of one piece came from the Vatican, from the Vatican. So they've obviously got loads of things that they sort of hung on to. But it's it's really good. Unfortunately, my membership had lapsed at the British Museum, so I had to pay. And I think it was uh, what did I pay? Sixteen pound fifty. I thought it was worth it. I did think it was worth it. So we had a little look through. We tweeted a picture of the Rosetta Stone. It is still the most sought after thing that people want to look for in the British Museum. The other is mummies. People love mummies, especially the mummy whose hair is growing. Ginger hair on a mummy. And I remember years ago, my dad taking me to the British Museum because we used to dread it as kids. Isn't that funny? As an adult, you kind of appreciate everything that's in there. You appreciate all the uh, the stuff that we've that, that we've sort of collected and some of the most beautiful items that we've collected. And then it gets to the mummies. And there is... I mean, I just... I. Kind of when I got a bit older, I started thinking it was grave robbing. So you dig somebody up in there in that from their tomb, and then you open them up, and then you have them X-rayed, and then it's just a pile of bones sitting in a cabinet. You think, what about the family? What about the family of this poor soul? And they used to say that there is a mummy who is still growing hair. Well, he's not really growing hair, but he's got he's got ginger hair. You can see quite clearly it's ginger hair, and that I liked. That was always the thing that made me sort of enjoy museums again I suppose because I, I didn't enjoy them at all now I could spend days in the V&A museum you could enjoy gallery a day and still never see everything it's just it's just fantastic science museum has developed beyond all belief they've still got loads of empty spaces though it's a bit like Richmond I've got so many empty shops at the moment not so good uh, 84850 steve at lbc.co.uk steve says if you're interested in fancy day out with the family next Saturday Sunday and Monday Little Venice Narrowboat Cavalcade oh that's always really good free entry free children and adult entertainment on and off the boat adult entertainment are you sure of the cavalcade and, uh, and, a, and a, a small market return boat rides to Camden Market there you go as well 500 canal boats so down at Little Venice it's nice, actually. What do you mean you've never done a boat ride? Do a boat ride. Do a boat ride. It really, it's, it's, it's great. It really is absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Apparently, a glass of wine can give you a sexy glow. Imagine if a glass of wine gives you a sexy glow. A couple of bottles must be brilliant. Uh, this morning, well, actually, this week, I've got a really busy week for interviews. I've got two today. Uh, one with Tito Jackson, part of the legendary Jackson 5. Uh, his first solo album. His first solo album. It's taken a long time to get round to it, but we got round to it. And Catherine Jenkins is in as well today. 
Uh, tomorrow, Martin Shaw is in. Wednesday, I'm off to a screening, film screening. People keep saying, was it medical screening? No, hardly be going to that and telling it. Well, I would, actually. But no, I'm going to a screening. And then uh, from Game of Thrones, uh, Kit Hartington is going to be coming in on Thursday. So I think we've got four this week. Harrington, yeah. You can tell I've never seen Game of Thrones, can't you? That's on... That's Thursday, I can't remember. You're not doing it. You're not, you're not because you're not allowed to touch the interviews anymore after that incident we had. OK, don't want to say any more. I'll just leave it at that. Leave it at that. It's with HR. We're not saying anything more about it. Inappropriate. <laughs> no, I didn't say you're going to be sacked. We're just sort of making sure that your hands are behind your back all the time. OK, you know, just making sure. I mean, the moment I said that Catherine Jenkins was in today's little eyes lit up. And I thought, right, well, he's out straight away. So we so we found somebody else to do the Catherine Jenkins. We're doing it in here, actually. She'll be sitting in that chair there, that very chair on the right. And with the one with the camera on it, yeah. And, and we'll be filming it as well, because we've started filming all our uh, interviews. So, I know. So, Yeah, well, I'm not being filmed. You know why I'm not being filmed? Because the camera here, which is this one there, when I have to turn sideways... The microphone blocks the camera, so thank God I'm not seen. You know, because there's no makeup or anything like that. Whereas Catherine Jenkins will have makeup on today, and Tito Jackson we're doing in another studio anyway. So it's quite exciting. Nick Ferrari and the team, and he'll be wearing full makeup. Do you know they always ask that? They always ask. They say, "Is it being filmed?" Because in a lot of the studios there are cameras. So uh, in the, actually, going into Regent's Park yesterday for the war, there were about one, two, three, four, six cameras, little ones on posts going to Regent's Park. And I thought, what are they for? I couldn't quite... There was nobody there. Perhaps it's to stop cyclists. As I say, because if you've seen Justine Miliband in the papers today, you'll know that this woman breaks every law under the sun. Wrong way down a one-way street. This is a mature person. Ancient, I think, would be better. Uh, Britain's Got Very Reused Talent. Have you seen that? Did you see that ridiculous thing on Britain's Got Talent where Simon Cowell pretended that he'd been hypnotised and became nice to everybody? A dog hypnotised him. It was the biggest pile of doggy doos that we've ever had. Russell Brand has called in the police, over £400,000 cash donation, turned up at his, uh, as the offices of his agent. 50 quid notes, apparently, so they say, and it's for him to, uh, to stand for Parliament. Couldn't stand for himself, poor old soul. He doesn't know where he is half the time, does he? Delusional crackpot, I think. And then, um, oh yes, so sorry, yesterday. So we go to the museum and then we go for breakfast. And uh, we've got a couple of disasters with breakfast in London. It's a bit hit and miss in some places. It's either terribly, terribly expensive, you know, in which case you sort of think, I shan't be going there again. I'm just looking for sort of a nice healthy breakfast-ish. Not too bothered about the health side of it. And uh, so we end up at the Ivy in Covent Garden, which we'd been to before. And uh, the service... I mean, there was nobody in there yesterday. There must have been about six or seven people in there, you know, to a restaurant that probably seats about 120, 200 people. And, um, and so we just ordered... Bre- I ordered breakfast, and uh, a friend of mine ordered vegetarian breakfast. And we sat, 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 and we sat till we'd grown a beard. It took forever. It must have been a good 35 minutes... Before the breakfast finally took... What they were doing, I've got no idea. Baking bread, I'm assuming. It was just awful. And I thought, you know, in a place like the Ivy, you expect to get fantastic service. And the service is always very good. You know, it's great coming in, sitting down. First of all, somebody comes over, gives you some water, which is always useful. Uh, You know, tea or coffee, whatever you would like. And uh, so we do that. Then we order the breakfast, and that's when we sat there. In fact, we sat there so long that I'd run out of tea. The water had, had given up. 
And eventually, it turned, now normally a restaurant would say, listen, you know, can we, can we offer you a complimentary drink on the house? Nothing. Nothing at all. I was really disappointed. Let themselves down badly yesterday. Let themselves down badly. Anyway, so we did that. We tweeted some pictures of the Rosetta Stone and uh, other things. And, uh, and all in all, it was, it was actually, it was a really nice day, if not a bit cold. And then I get back home. And I mean, how about this for coincidence? I sit and I watch a film the other day that Fern Britton had mentioned to me. And I had seen little bits of it, but I hadn't quite got into it. It's called, you'll know it immediately, Mrs Miniver with Greer Garson. Now, the interesting thing about this film is this, this was a morale booster uh, during the war to get people thinking Mrs Miniver could do everything. And it was, it was a real kitchen sink drama. It had everything and it was wonderful and it's weepy time. It's very, very weepy time. Um, when I went to check on Greer Garson, it turns out that she was married to the bloke in it who plays her son. And funnily enough, I thought this was slightly strange. He plays her son, but I didn't know that they were married in real life. Because at one point, he leaves to get out of the car, goes, bye, bye, mum, or whatever he says to her. And she kisses him on the lips, which I thought looked slightly strange. Then, having realised they were married, it probably seemed quite normal to them. But, uh, so I watched this film, Mrs Miniver, and then I speak to a friend of mine who's just recently come back from America. And uh, she said, so what have you done today? So I said, I've done this and I've done that. And then I watched... Mrs Miniver. So she said, you're joking. I said, why? She said, the bloke I've just been seeing in Las Vegas, he watched Mrs Miniver the other day. I said, what are the chances of that? Two people watching a film from the 1950s and both linked to the one person. Uncanny. Quarter past four is the time. This is LBC. Ferrari, he's on the road in the battle bus for the general election 2015. First stop is Glasgow. Joining Nick, one of the most powerful men in the UK, the Chief Secretary to the Treasury, the Lib Dem, Danny Alexander. We'll also find out about an HIV test that you can do at home. If you're in Glasgow, you can visit us at St Enoch Square. That's Nick Ferrari. This morning from 7 after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Uh, so they were talking then. Simon uh, Conway went down to this place in London, the Mayfair Market or whatever it is, because they had, I don't ask me how they had, but they had a huge consignment of the Apple Watches. And the person I was with yesterday had one. He had an Apple Watch. And he wouldn't tell me how much it costs. The straps are a bit naff, because you know that they have no Apple Watches. They've got loads in Covent Garden in the shop there, but they're not for sale. You have to pre-order them. So you can see what they all look like, and you'll see what they don't have any prices on them. It's a bit annoying, really, because that, that it's, 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 you know, why they've screwed up on this, I don't know. But, of course, it generates the publicity. So, yesterday, we're playing with this watch. And it tells the time, which is great. It's got lots of different screens. You touch it and you can go, call Steve Allen. And it will call Steve Allen. And I can talk to him through his, through his watch. So, we sort of played around with that. And you can write things on it as well. On the screen, with your thumbnail, you can write things. And that will send it to to that person on the other end. Plus, you can have your phone there with the camera on and it will send the picture to your phone. So, in other words, if you leave your phone at home with the camera on, uh, you can watch it. So, you can watch your house being burgled. Very useful. So, uh, we did play around with it yesterday. In fact, everybody else in the restaurant was fairly interested in it because uh, they would be because not many people have actually seen them in operation. Colours are great. The pixels are great. We had a look at the new uh, iPad. It's ultra-thin. Really, really ultra thin. I was amazed, though. We stood, we were there among the first people in the 
in the Apple store in Covent Garden, and it was packed very quickly. People barge their way through to get to one of the people who can tell them all about their iPads and their phones and stuff like that. So people look at the watches, but of course you can't buy them. They haven't got any straps in, they've got they've got nothing. They've launched the thing, but it's it's you know, and in the end of the day, people will buy it because you buy into Apple. And uh, it's almost done deliberately just to wind you up. You think you go in there, you see it, and they go uh, no, you can pre-order it. Well, why can't I have that one in the case? Well, it's a demonstration model. Well, get another demonstration model then. It's like you go into, you know, you go into a big department store. Only in this country. Everywhere else, you get it straight away. You go to America, you see a bit of furniture in uh, in an outlet, and they go, "Do you want that delivered?" And you go, oh, "Yes, please." And they go, um, "What sort of? Do you want it this morning?" And they go, "Really." Yeah, you get your furniture that day. Here, they go, right on that. I'll take the details of that one there for you. Okay, that's 13-week delivery. Why? Because they, they have to make it. Well, why can't I have that one? Well, that's our that's our selling model. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you stick your foot up their bottom, sell me this one, and then say to them, if you want to sell any more furniture, you better get your skates on and get this stuff made. Who wants to sit there for 13 weeks with no furniture whilst you're waiting for some idiot in a department store to sort of order your piece of fur. They don't order it straight away anyway. It just goes into a room and then somebody will get round for it at the end of the day. Why can't we have stuff straight away from stock? I think some of the bed companies do that now, don't they? You know, same-day delivery. It'd be nice if you could walk into department stores and do the same with the furniture. Same-day furniture. You know, hashtag laugh out loud. That's what we want, isn't it? Uh, put your house on, Ed. This is... Uh, Labour pledging to save first-time buyers up to five grand. They're going for everybody, aren't they? They're absolutely going for everybody. All the different parties, they're trying everybody. First-time buyers, the elderly, pensioners, people who, you know, want to put a cap on immigration, people who want to watch the NHS, people who've got kids. They're trying everything. And they'll never deliver. None of these parties can deliver any of this stuff. I don't know how they manage... Listen, the other thing... Sort of go back onto an old story, but this one crossed my mind the other day. When people were talking about Greville, I've got dementia, Janna. I refuse to call him a lord anymore. I just don't think he's fit for purpose. And uh, it was very interesting because uh, they're not prosecuting, as you know. I think there is an opportunity for the alleged victims to take out, take out private prosecutions. But he's started transferring things into the kid's name. So, in other words, this flat or property worth two million has been transferred. Now, somebody else tried to do this a while ago. Stuart Hall, I think, his uh, house is in the wife's name. Now, the interesting thing is, and I don't know if I've got this wrong or not, but how was Greville Janner able to sign over a property when he's got such severe dementia he can't appear in court? How would that be illegal? I'm not sure that you can sign over property if you've got dementia. How would you be able to do that? He's got dementia. We got him to sign it over. Well, how does he know? Something wrong there. Something very wrong. Has he got dementia? Has he not got dementia? How bad is the dementia? How serious is the dementia? And if it's not that serious that he was able to sign over his property. Because if you've got dementia, how are you able... In a court of law, somebody who said well, he's got dementia didn't know what he was doing. Um, well, he did. Well, how did he? Um, well, he's, he had, his, his dementia comes and goes. Well, it can't do. We've been told it's so severe, he can't appear in court on alleged child sex abuse charges. So he signed over his property. I bet you by the end of tomorrow, one of the papers has gone, you know, we'd never thought about that. He only signed over the property recently. But if you've got dementia, you can't. Somebody has to do it for you. How would that work? Interesting one. As I say, it's not going away anytime soon. Um, so, uh, Pepsi. 
are in the papers as well today. Ditching the diet drink sweetener over health fears. Uh, now, I don't drink Pepsi, but I have to be honest with you that I have had in the past Pepsi and Coca-Cola and all the other things. Ice cold from the fridge. You know, so cold it hurts when you drink it. So cold, you go, oh, that is just the best. And in Vienna... All their machines over there that dispense Coca-Cola, especially within the radio side of the company I was working for, it's bottles. It's bottles of Pepsi and bottles of Coca-Cola. So when it comes out, it's ice cold. It's so cold. You know when you get to to that stage of the day, you think, I just need something ice cold. It's got to be ice cold. Prosecco would be nice. And you think, no, I'll have have an ice cold Pepsi. You open up the can. You pour it out and you wait for the bubbles to subside and then you can't get it down your throat quick enough, can you? I bet you're now lying in bed going, stop talking about drink because it's making us very thirsty. Is your mouth gone all dry? Mine has. Mine has. But luckily I've got a nice cup of coffee here, which is good news. Anyway, if you have joined us, welcome to Monday. Hello. The election gets ever nearer, as you'll discover with the battle bus. You want to see it. I think they'll be tweeting pictures of it later on today on, on LBC. Huge, huge, huge battle bus. Uh, slightly disturbed about GPs asking all older patients if they're agreed to a do-not-resuscitate order. I don't know, they say, over 75, sign here if you're ready for death. Is there an option? You know, could you, could you say, I tell you what, I'll sign it, don't resuscitate me, but if, I don't, but if I don't like it over in the other side, can you bring me back again? And they'll go, no, you only get the one shot at it. So in which case, I'd rather be here than over there. I'm not, I'm not frightened by death in any way, shape or form. If I'm going to go, in fact, I was talking about this to my friend Nicola this morning. And I said, uh, because she was talking about dementia, and I said it's awful because we have a, a mutual friend whose wife has just died of dementia. And uh, and I said, I don't want to get dementia. I know it's, it's an occupational hazard that you can get it. I said, it's bad enough with diabetes because her husband's uh, a diabetic as well. He's type 1. I'm type 2, insulin and tablet, as opposed to many type 2s are just uh, tablet. And, uh, and we were having a long chat about it. I said, I just want to go in my sleep. I really do. I don't want to go, you know, with dementia or anything like that. I, should, I don't want to be, you know, not in control of my faculties. I want to be in control. Of... Has she had that baby yet? How much longer are we waiting for this blooming thing? Somebody's just put ten grand on it. Ten grand on the fact it's going to be a girl, I think. Who cares? Who cares? Let's just, for goodness sake, make her have the baby. Don't buy any plants this week. I only say that because they say all those uh, spring blossoms rarely last, but they say there could be a last blast of winter this week. And when I say winter, I mean snow. snow. That's what they've said. Snow and gales this week. It, uh, most noticeably today, it's very cold out there today. You can feel it. You can feel it. So I put, I put a thicker coat on. And um, they reckon that temperatures overnight, especially in the north, about minus two this morning, at minus two, and they reckon that uh, there could be uh, there could be snow by the end of this week. <laughs> That's just what you need, isn't it? Really? No, it's not what you need at all. It's not what you need. I do feel sorry for all those people caught up in that snow tsunami seconds before it flattered uh, flattened the Everest camp. And it just when you're looking at this snow that comes down, people just think, oh, it's it's a little avalanche. It's tons of snow. Half a mountain can shift. People can be buried up to 30 feet deep. There's very little chance of getting out. The only way that you could ever... I mean, I don't know, because I've not been in a situation like this, but it just looks horrendous. At one point, people were sort of, you know, being told, get out as quick as possible, get out. And so among the damaged tents and the equipment, and there could have been as many as a 1,000 people at base camp, 
thousand people. It's become very addictive for people to go back up there again. There will be many families who are sitting there anxiously waiting for a phone call this morning. I hope it comes. It's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. It's a bit flexible, this Prince Harry thing, isn't it? Uh, Prince Harry, he's leaving the country. He's going to be with the Australians. Uh, Nope, now he's back in this country again. Why? Uh, Because he's something to do with the marathon. Is he? No. Well, he's not really, but they sort of bring him back anyway. So back he comes again. You'd think, actually, he could have sort of stayed out there and we could have put William doing something there. It's obviously this concerted effort that the royal family have got at the moment to try and do damage limitations for the fact that Princess Beatrice still hasn't actually done a day's work in God knows how many months. We're all looking forward to the day she starts work. Looking forward to actually doing something and being useful, as opposed to being a complete waste of space, which goes along with the rest of her daft family. Honestly, they just don't seem to do anything, do they? They just sort of, you know, they, they play the HRH card, and God knows she plays the HRH card. You can understand that she was some sort of a looker. But, you know, there's never going to be a fashionable thing there, is there? Not really. Uh, I did feel a bit sorry for UKIP's deputy uh, chairman the other day, Suzanne Evans, who got confused with Christian Gurumurthy. And so halfway through the interview, she said, uh, and I quote, I think it's a very unfair question, Faisal, and what I have consistently, at which point he butted and said, I'm Krishnan for a start. And she apologised and said that she'd uh, confused him with the Channel 4 economics editor, Faisal Islam, with whom she'd spoken to earlier. (laughs) They're just not bright, are they, these politicians? I'm sorry, he's been on television for God knows how many years. He used to be an LBC presenter. He's done loads and loads of things. Everybody knows who Krishnan Gurumurthy is, except her. Except her. Oh, well. You know, we we live and laugh, ladies and gentlemen. Do we not? Uh, 84850, steve at uk, and we shall weave everything in as we do on the programme. Why? Because we're just in that kind of mood. I mean, you know, I'm generally speaking in a good mood on a Monday morning, but I'm not. I'm not. Uh, 84850, Mark says, uh, did they get rid of sweetener because of what I said on LBC at three to- Why on earth do you remember every time you've been on LBC? Are you one of these odd people who tapes themselves? You know, are you one of those sort of people who sort of records everything and go, this is me talking to, this is me to... Didn't I heard a story once of somebody, and I think it was Clive Bull, who went round to a, a listener's house and he'd recorded every single thing that he'd ever said. And I'd read it in a magazine years ago that people who phone up radio stations, nine out of ten times, record it so they can listen to themselves back again. For what reason? I have no idea. I can't quite work that one out myself. I don't think I actually have any copies of my programmes anywhere. Anywhere. At all. I've never heard one of my programmes. <laughs> probably saying that's probably a good idea. But I haven't. I've never heard one of my own programmes. The only, the only programme I've got somewhere at home, is, and it's never going to hear the light of day, I promise you, unless I can find it quickly, um, is Steve Allen's very first broadcast on LBC. I have the first hour of Steve Allen broadcasting on LBC on reel-to-reel tape. And it's somewhere, somewhere, I don't know where, it might be under one of the... I've got one of these beds in my spare room you lift up and you can keep stuff under, and I have a feeling it's in there. It's the very first broadcast of Steve Allen. That'd be worth hearing, wouldn't it? Uh, so here they are, hijacking the publicity bastard Beckhams again. Uh, of course, they'll be flying back to the country. She looks, as usual, Miss Miserable as Sin... You know, wearing a pair of skinny... They've obviously had all these T-shirts printed, Team Romeo. You know, they're just so publicity-hungry, aren't they? They're just obsessed with it. She's got her dark glasses on. Do you think the kids know what their mother looks like? Do you think if she took the glasses off, they'd go, who are you? 
That's what it feels like. Mind you, mercifully, they don't seem to have taken uh, little Harper. Mamma, mamma. Because we're totally convinced now that Harper, who's never walked, is in fact battery operated. We've <laughs> decided that's the way it is. Um, what have we got here? The uh, the Queen elbowed out of the super rich league by the rise of the billionaires. And the one you've never heard of is Len uh, Blavatnik, who's a businessman and music mogul. Well, I say that. What he is, he built up his fortune from Russian oil. Don't they all? Don't they all? Russian oil. And then once you've got your money there... Uh, he had an unlikely alliance with BP. He then brought Warner Music in 2011. And so that's what they say. He's a music mogul. So he's got 13.17 billion. But as he's 57, you can't take it with you, can you? What What do you do with it? Um, he emigrated to New York, became a US citizen in 84. Two years later, started this company and gained control of the oil producer TNK. When it was sold off, his share was more than 4 billion. 4 billion. Wow. That's some money, isn't it? His, uh, his ten quoted and private company stakes are worth nine billion, three billion of cash, 440 million of other property and other assets worth a total of 13.17 billion pounds. Good grief. And apparently uh, now Alan Sugar. He's become a billionaire for the first time this year. A billionaire. I'm trying to think about being a billionaire. You know, somebody came through the other day and uh, bagged that 36 million. I was so hoping it was going to be me, so hoping, but uh, it turned out not to be. But I don't mind. I don't mind. Uh, other stories in the papers today. This is the uh, the strange story of a Liberal Democrat parliamentary candidate who's bidding to become Britain's first transgender MP. God, if I see the word transgender again, it's another word that's going to annoy me, isn't it? It's like trending. I did that the other day. I said trending. Somebody, you know, is trending. I walked into HMV. These are the albums that are trending this week. And a friend of mine who works at another radio station, he goes, what's trending this week? And I'm like, what? What is that? I mean, why, why have we picked up these Americanisms? It's so ghastly. It, I mean, it really is ghastly. It's, it's just, it's one of those dreadful things. Dreadful things. Uh, 84850, steve uk, And um, everything that we get in, we shall read out for you today, just so you can see what everybody's talking about. Uh, Sasha says, I'm having a cuppa. Mrs Miniver is one of my favourite films. It was Fern, Fern Britton's favourite film as well. My late husband and I used to sob unashamedly through it all. An affair to remember was a tearjerker. I love those old movies. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the, the Mrs Miniver, at the end, at the end of it, I, I won't spoil it for those who haven't seen it, but it's, it, re- it just, you just can't help it. You just can't help it. Oh! <laughs> Oh, dear. I'm not going to sign any do not resuscitate for any doctor when I'm 75. I don't trust hospital staff as it is, so I give them... I don't... uh, So to give them carte blanche to pull the plug is out of the question. Mm. The Apple Watch. I like it, says Peter. It it does look nice, but it's, it's still a watch. It tells the time. Dean says, I think the Duchess of Cambridge is waiting for the 1st of May, an international day of labour. God, it can't go much longer, can it? Can't go for much longer. I mean, it's it's interesting. Very interesting. Uh, when do you think it'll make an appearance, Steve? I have no idea. No idea. And to be honest with you, I couldn't really care less. I'm just more worried about the people sitting outside who've been waiting for what seems like weeks. Weeks! Waiting for this thing to happen. And then they're going to be going, yeah, you know, we're going to sort of, uh, you know, we're finally going to celebrate the birth of a baby. Which is all very exciting. What else did I watch on the telly over the week? I didn't watch anything, really. 
I didn't see the Britain's Got Talent. I mean, I heard about it from everybody and I've checked out online. And it's very interesting that Simon Cowell's pretending he was hypnotised by a dog. Whereas, in fact, anybody will tell you, you're not allowed to show anything like that on television. It is against the rules. So if ever you have a hypnotist on telly and they hypnotise somebody, and many of them don't actually get hypnotised, they just play along with the game, um, they have to show you somewhere else. They aren't allowed to show you that these people are being hypnotised. And as for a dog hypnotising somebody, don't be so stupid. It's just, I mean, the programme has turned into a bit of a farce. Uh, So here it is, the controversial sweetener taken out of Diet Pepsi because of safety fears. Not in this country, it's not. Not in, they're leaving it in, in Britain. So the Americans, who are way ahead of us in this kind of stuff, have decided that it's, uh, that it's coming out. They've bound to consumer demand. Uh, after the additive, it's called uh, aspartame, was linked to a range of health problems. So we're still having it in the drink over here. Fantastic. Fantastic. Diet Pepsi, caffeine-free Diet Pepsi and wild cherry Diet Pepsi. Doesn't that sound absolutely gorgeous? Wild cherry. <sighs> Cherry's going completely mad. The decision to swap comes after a decade of plummeting sales of fizzy diet drinks. And so the vice president of Pepsi said, aspartame is the number one reason consumers are dropping diet soda. They call them sodas over there. So if they're dropping it, and aspartame is about 200 times sweeter than sugar, why have we still got it? Is it really safe? Is it safe? They say that its replacement, which is uh, uh, sucralose, may not be healthier because low-calorie artificial sweeteners may raise the risk of obesity and increase the risk of diabetes. But uh, consumers don't, don't want this thing in there. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't buy any drink that says diet on it. Who cares? What's the point? If you can have a drink, have a proper drink. Don't, don't just sort of go for something because it goes diet or it says, you know, this is really good for you. This has only got so many calories. Just go for something if you want to drink it. Just don't drink as much. I know people get addicted. And I suppose if I wasn't diabetic, I could be easily addicted to, you know, fizzy drinks. Orange, lemon and lime. God, they sound gorgeous, don't they? Cherry, ice cold cherry cola. Cherry cola. Doesn't that, it just sounds wonderful. Do you think they actually make it with cherries? Lemon and lime. You can see the colour of it now, can't you? It's that kind of phosphorescent colour as it glows. You can watch the kids' faces glow as they as they drink it with loads of ice. Big ice cubes. See-through ice cubes. And you pour it over it. Oh, delicious. But I haven't had it for years. I haven't had orange juice for years either. And yet occasionally I get a craving. Occasionally. I think to myself, I would absolutely love... An ice-cold, freshly squeezed orange juice. But I can't have it. And so I'm quite good at at, at sort of not having it. So here's a little boy. This is the one that um, Darren was talking about earlier on. James Haywood. He arrived at East Midlands Airport with his parents, Phil and Hazel, for their trip to Lanzarote. They'll hate it. It's a ghastly place. It's horrible. But when his toy, which fires sponge darts, was picked up on an x-ray of his hand luggage, security officials demanded he hand it over. They then frisked him uh, before he was allowed through security. Mr Haywood, who's a software engineer, said, fair enough, they're, they're thorough, but it just seems a bit ludicrous to take a plastic gun away from a four-year-old. I thought it was a bit overzealous. Well, not really. Not really, Mr Haywood, and I don't want to sort of, you know, cast aspersions on your parenting skills. But do you not think, in this day and age of heightened security, that to let a little boy at the age of four with combat clothes on walk through with a gun, it doesn't matter what it fires. It really doesn't matter what it fires. This could be used as... You could, you could smack somebody in the mouth with this. This could be used as a weapon. 
by anybody. The fact it only fires those little plastic, but it doesn't matter. What's he doing with it on the plane anyway? What's he going to be doing? Firing it at the stewardesses? You know, an airport spokesman said safety is our priority. No items may be permitted through security that resemble a prohibited item. And it's a gun. It's a toy gun. We know it's a toy gun, but it doesn't matter. This could be used as a weapon. It's quite clearly, you know, a parent who's a bit stupid because they go there and they think, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll just sort of walk through with this. I mean, it's actually quite a big gun as it goes. So what are they going to do with it? Stick it in, you know, it, it sh- they should have just packed it in the case. If he wants to take this away on holiday, let him take it away on holiday. But explain to him that, you know, sometimes there are bad people at airports. And this, you could wheel around your head and hard plastic smashed into somebody's face could do them a lot of damage. We're not saying it looks like a gun that could fire a bullet. They're saying it could be used as a weapon. I had a, um, a paper, a letter opener confiscated years ago. And nail clippers. Nail clippers in, uh, in Los Angeles. They confiscated them. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Monday morning. Nick and the breakfast team are out on the road this morning. They're on the LBC battle bus. And this morning, you find them in Glasgow. They're going to be in St Enoch Square. And so that's what you won't miss it. It's absolutely enormous. It's a huge coach. The LBC battle bus. As uh, For the next week, I think, Nick uh, doesn't get to see his home at all. Uh, Talking of not seeing your home for holidays, the holiday car hire chaos, which is going to ensue very shortly because you know that the uh, DVLA are scrapping the paper counterpart that goes with all plastic photocard licences. Now, I've got a photocard licence and I've got the piece of paper that goes with it. And I've often thought how daft it is when I transferred it to one of these little plastic cards. I remember thinking at the time, how ridiculous, you've got a piece of paper as well. Why can't it all be on the same computer? And lo and behold, it's going to be. So information about penalty points, uh, speeding, held only on the DVLA's database, will have to be checked online by phone or by post. But motoring groups fear the switch to a fully online system will make it more difficult for car hire firms who want to check a motorist's details. From June the 8th, remember the date? Holidaymakers heading abroad will have to log on to the DVLA website the day before, put in their driving licence number to obtain a special code to give to their car hire company when they arrive at the desk. OK, you got that? So, in about a month's time, if you're heading abroad and you want to hire a car, you log on to the DVLA website. You won't remember this. I can see this being absolute chaos. And then you put in your driving licence number to get a special code to give to the car hire company when they arrive at the desk. Furthermore, the passcode is only valid for 72 hours, meaning anybody hiring a car in the second week of their trip faces having to find an internet cafe or pay pay expensive roaming charges. So, you know, I suppose the best thing to do is go abroad, don't hire a car or take your own car with you. Makes it an awful lot easier, doesn't it? Uh, What's this one here? This is... um, Well, I see that uh, designers claim the Kate effect gives them a sales boost when the Duchess of Cambridge wears their frocks. Now her brother's style is catching on. James Middleton's beard has become more and more bushy. Yesterday he posed with uh, poor old Sado, Spencer Matthews, who's cultivating his own facial hair. Spencer Matthews must be the oldest swinger in town. He's beginning to look a little bit like Di Llewellyn. Di Llewellyn was one of those sort of people who just sort of wandered and was a bit of a ladies' man. And that's all he did all his life. He just drank and was a ladies' man. And Spencer, uh, Spencer, poor old Matthews, hardly not market name, is it? Um, is roughly gone the same way, except he now looks so old. I thought a bit sorry for him. The rest of them are looking fairly young-ish. 
uh, especially the girls, but the boys are looking very ancient. But Spencer's looking the oldest out of all of them. But he obviously thinks he's sort of like top dog, top honcho, because they all, they all kowtow to him. Well... Not me, ladies and gentlemen, not me. I say it the way it is. Our Deirdre would be a trifle proud. This is uh, the Coronation Street legend Anne Kirkbride, who's been nominated for a British Soap Award four months after her death. Now, I think it's a pointless exercise. What is the point? Anne, who died from cancer, is up for scene of the year in which uh, Deirdre hurls a trifle against the wall. I know. A Corrie spokesman told the Mirror, it's a fitting and respectful tribute to Anne that she's nominated in this category. We're proud of all our Coronation Street nominees. Yeah, but there's no point in giving it to her. But who are you going to give it to? They're going to take it round to the grave or something. You go, you've got an award, love. Sorry it's a bit late, but uh, at least you got one. I don't think they should do it. I really don't think they should. I think it should go to somebody else who's living. Don't give it to somebody who's dead, because they're not going to appreciate it. I'm sure it's lovely, but I mean, she got loads of plaudits. While she was alive, loads of people love her. You know, there's, there's no mistaking that at all. But to, to give her an award is just, you know, little bit ridiculous. Little bit ridiculous. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, we, shall, uh, we shall put it there. The James Mason film I mentioned yesterday is actually called The London Nobody Knows. The London Nobody Knows. Uh, Dean says it would be interesting to see Jana in court. Well, it's not going to happen. It's, it's just not going to happen. They've already said this. The DPP have said that because he's got dementia. But I still pose that same question. If he's got dementia, how did he sign his house over to the children? Surely that's not valid in a court of law, is it? I don't know why he signed it over to the kids. I mean, if it's just a normal part of a will thing, unless he's sort of trying to move assets around so that nobody can get their hands on them. Odd one, isn't it? Odd one. Britain's got reused talent, because most of the people you're seeing on the television, you've seen before. The dance troupe, IMD Legion, who uh, wowed Cowell and fellow judges, another dance group, didn't your heart drop, were finalists on Sky One's Got to Dance for the past two years. No strangers to television, they just pop up on another show. Boy band fellow finalists from the Got to Dance show were last week's Golden Buzzer Act. And uh, schoolboy Isaac Waddington from Portsmouth who gave a moving performance of uh, She's Always a Woman, Billy Joel's song, uh, won BBC's Young Chorister of the Year in 2012. So they've all been around the block, most of these people. I've noticed here that, you know, uh, a British Got Talent spokesman said, some acts have previously appeared on other shows, as is the case of many TV talent shows these days, but there are no rules that state this should prevent them from applying. Yeah, it's just like watching second-hand acts, though, isn't it? You, know, you get an act on there and they go, oh, they've been here before. Yeah, they've been on television loads of times. It was like, you know, when we had Francine Lewis on, The Impressionist, and Simon Cowell had almost claimed he'd never seen her before. Whereas he must have done. She's been on television tons of times. We used to use her on a regular basis on Five's Company. A lot of people uh, texted me the other day uh, asking, you know, does, is Dale Winton ill? Because he didn't look too good on the lottery on Saturday. And apparently the internet was, uh, was a, a buzz with, with sort of rumours. Was he ill? Was he this? Was he that? And the simple answer is, I do not know. I do not know. I do know, though, that when I went on to, uh, I think it was his Wikipedia site, there's a link to me and him and Nick Knowles and Esther McVeigh on Five's Company. And uh, it's actually very funny. It's actually very funny. So you could find that on YouTube. I think it comes under the, it's either under the Steve Allen page, but it's Dale Winton and Steve Allen 
and Esther McVeigh and Nick Knowles and uh, Paul and Amanda, all on Fives Company, and Rodri, I think Rodri was on as well, uh, all there watching him uh, doing his bit. But he didn't look very well on the television, I admit, the other night. He didn't, he didn't quite look right. Didn't quite look right. No doubt we will find out what it is as the, uh, the week goes through. Uh, Polly Hudson on how to cope after Poldark. I don't know, what is it with these people on television who shave their bodies? Ronan Keating shaves his body top to bottom. And they all seem to do it. Then they've got, you know, different uh, people here. Um, Scott Eastwood. He's the son of Clint Eastwood. I think he's holding his stomach in. Uh, Rob Kaczynski. Uh, this one here is starring with Reese Witherspoon. Channing Tatum. I mean, it just, you know, you look at a body like that, you think, you know, I feel sick, honestly. Why haven't I got a body like that? It's just, it's not right. Not right at all. Uh, Trey Briers. Michael Huseman, Paul Rudd, Jake Gillenhall. I've heard of him. And Charlie Cox. I've no idea who he is. But they all get ratings. They all get ratings. Men of action, they're told. We're, we're told they are men of action. Uh, Steve, don't people who buy diet drinks also buy the obese-making burgers and chips, says Phil? Yep. Yep. 45 minutes into your show, says Dean. Nobody's yet been brandished mad as a toothbrush. Not yet. I think it's imminent. I think it's imminent. There are no media outside the hospital already because they've banned them, haven't they? They're, uh, they've closed the road. So the only people sitting there, uh, the, the media are up ladders and things like that, trying to get a quick peek inside. It's gone on for ages, though, isn't it? I hope she's got enough money to pay the bill. You know what it's like with these, um, with these very expensive private hospitals. It probably costs you a small fortune. A small fortune. Uh, 84850... Uh, and from Leicester, Jan says, I know laws change over the years, but 20 years ago, my elderly father signed the family home over to me. We had to have a solicitor present who spoke to my dad to make sure he was aware of what was happening. Yeah, but the thing is, the dementia, they don't remember. They don't remember. You say black, they say white. And they firmly believe white. You see somebody with dementia driving the wrong way down the road. They believe that's the right side of the road. So it's no good asking somebody, do you know what you're doing here? Yes. If he's got serious dementia that he can't appear in court because he wouldn't understand the charges, how on earth would he understand signing over property? And I think it, it was done recently as well. It's not, this is not 20 years ago. This is recent. Something not right about this whole thing, is that You know, the Home Office conveniently managed to lose all these bits of papers to do with child abuse. I think after Rotherham and after Jimmy Savile, I think the police must be sitting there going, should we just, I'll tell you what, let, let's bring in a famous MP and uh, we'll wait till we get a phone call from somebody unnamed on high who says release them. Because that's what happened with Cyril Smith. Cyril Smith was arrested, taken to the police station. A phone call arrives and they have to release him. They were less than happy, less than happy. You put all that sort of work in and you get nothing. And you've got, you know, somebody like Greville Janner, the allegations against him. It's like 23 allegations, like 22, 23 allegations. It's certainly a lot. You would have thought, as somebody said yesterday, and I'd said it last week on the programme, that if I was the family, I'd want my day in court to go, listen, this is, you know, this is not true. I'm, I'm going to prove to you it's not true. But they appear to be a little bit stoic. I mean, I'm assuming somebody's watching him 24 hours a day. Or if you put hidden cameras in the house, is he wandering about normally? We shall never know. We shall never know, but they have to ask the question, you know, just how bad is his dementia? And does that mean that anybody can come up with sort of a doctor's report and say, I've got dementia, and you can get away with absolute murder? Because this isn't like one or two, you know, allegations against Greville Janner. This is 23 allegations. This is, this is, this is what I call about as serious as it gets. You'd think the family would want to, uh, to change that completely.
But uh, so far, they've gone a little bit quiet on it. A bit like the bloke who owns the bullion place that was raided. He's still in Sudan. You'd think that the moment it was raided, you'd want to come back here and survey the damage, wouldn't you? The police haven't even interviewed him. His son that uh, runs it has been interviewed. But, uh, but the father, nothing at all. Nothing at all. Uh, George and Amal Clooney have joined the ranks of Britain's super-rich for the first time. The couple are worth £121 million. Lovely. They have a £10 million mansion in Sonning. And um, yesterday it sort of it meted out the, uh, the richest people. Lewis Hamilton's got £88 million. That's about the richest in this country. Wayne Rooney, 72 million. Jensen Button, 71. Andy Murray, 48. Rio Ferdinand, 44. In music, it's Paul McCartney, 730 million pounds. And uh, over in uh, business, it's it's Len uh, Blavatnik. Uh, and then Sri Angopi Hindujar, industrialists, with 13 billion. The Western family, retail entrepreneurs... Eleven billion pounds, and David and Simon Rubin, property and internet, nine point seven billion. The Mittal family—I don't know where they were last year—but they've got nine point two billion. It's not bad, is it? Really, a little bit of hard work, you see. Always pays off. The race to save the people who are still stuck up Everest—they can't get the helicopter up and down quick enough to remove the bodies and try and find out if there's anybody else still alive up there. The apprentice convicted thug James Hill apparently signed for Big Brother. They said he'll spice it up. Well, he will if he attacks people, I suppose. Uh, tears as millions watch Poldark end in heartache. But don't worry. Sad news is it's coming back. Justine Miliband breaks countless cycling laws. No point in sitting there, darling, with a fluorescent jacket on and a little helmet if you're cycling the wrong way up a one-way street, cycling over pavements and ignoring do-not-go-through-here signs. But she's captured. She's on photograph in the papers. And the town drowning in Costa coffee shops. It's LBC. On. This is LBC. Leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Monday, the 27th of April. Nick Ferrari's not here. He is not in the building today. He's on the LBC Battle Bus. He's up in Glasgow. You can see him at St Enoch Square. They'll be there for the duration for the programme this morning. And then the bus moves around the country. We'll be following it every step of the way. So he's with you at 7 o'clock this morning. The race to save any Brits that are still trapped on Everest. Hope is fading for many. The glass of wine that gives you a sexy glow... UKIP's deputy chairman, who couldn't remember who on earth she was talking to. You can understand, it's an easy problem, I suppose. The breakthrough in a fight to treat arthritis is broccoli. And that DIY test for HIV goes on sale today. It's LBC. Prince Harry, back here, because it's a photo opportunity, and then back to Australia. Uh, to finish off doing whatever he's doing over there. The Beckhams fly over. Their son incidentally didn't run the marathon. He ran the junior marathon. That's only three miles, but they all turned up wearing Team Romeo things, which they'd had printed, which is a bit of a shame, really, because they're all wearing jackets. You can't really see what it says. Victoria looking miserable as sin. Still dark glasses. Somebody else's hair stapled to her head. And um, as I say, I still ask the question, does, I mean... Do, do the kids know what she looks like without sunglasses on? She, she takes them off at home. Or it's a case of they just want to come over here to get more publicity. Because their, their picture is the biggest one out of all the people doing something for the marathon. The people raising thousands upon thousands upon thousands. You know, did the Beckhams raise any money? I don't know. I'm just a bit 
weary of every day. It's just lazy, sloppy journalism. Let's print another picture of the um, of the Beckhams turning up to yet another event, which they hijack. Apprentice convicted thug James Hill has been signed up for celebrity Big Brother. The Channel 5 bosses are hoping he'll cause friction with his cocky attitude. This is the man who has two assault convictions, one for an attack on a bus driver and the other for biting a man's ear. He's been exposed before. He comes from Chesterfield in Derbyshire, and he said he was very, very aggressive when he joined The Apprentice. Perhaps Gemma Collins will sit on him and squash the life out of him. That'd be good fun. But apparently he'll also be a heartthrob uh, in the... I mean, really, I mean, they seem to have sort of lost their way with Big Brother. They seem to be just putting people on there. I think one of the girls in there is apparently um, somebody who makes American porno films. I mean, why on earth would you want some cheap old brass appearing in, an, in a British television programme? I don't quite understand the purpose behind that, unless it's to keep this convicted thug happy. I told you Gemma Collins will spend the first week in tears. Nobody will be interested in her. She's got nothing to contribute. She can't say anything. She'll just stand there. At the beginning, you know when they do the bit where they all sort of arrive and they go, who are you? She has to say, Gemma Collins. They go, who are you? I'm on, on the show. Well, yeah. What, what do you want to talk about, dear? I don't know. Have you got anything to talk about? Not really, no. And that's how it's going to be for the duration. It's not going to get any better than that, is it? If you seriously think she can have a conversation with somebody, you're very sadly mistaken. Every game show she's been on up until now, I thought she was mute. Seriously, I, I did. I don't want that to sound rude. But I seriously thought she was mute. I thought perhaps she's lost the gift of speech, please, God. Uh, three dancers jailed for twerking in Russia, and so they should have been. So I'm surprised they didn't hang them. This is uh, Russian women who filmed a raunchy video in front of a, a monument, which was a, a World War II memorial in Russia. A court in uh, one of the cities over there gave two of them ten days behind bars and the other fifteen on charges of hooliganism. Dancers, uh, sorry, prosecutors said the dancers' erotic and sexual twerk dance was disrespectful as Russia prepares to mark the 70th anniversary of the end of World War II. I mean, it is... Almost as bad as it. Dave Gilmore's son, who swung on the cenotaph. <laughs> no time for him whatsoever. How disrespectful to people who lost their lives. How disrespectful. And so uh, I'm surprised in Russia they've only given them ten days. I thought that would have been life or something in a Siberian concentration camp. Uh, ten days to go, the key battleground, Harlow. So they've got a picture of a typical Harlow woman. Bad makeup, badly dyed hair, uh, tattoos up her arm and pushing a pram. Seems absolutely ideal, doesn't it, really? She's still left the warning in the pram, so it's, I'm tempted to say so, but I can't, because it just sounds so awful. But uh, So she's got the warning in the pram, which isn't, it's like leaving the... Have you seen some of these sad people out now who wear baseball caps with the price sticker still on it? It's a ta- and you think, and they go, and this is called fashion. No, makes you look stupid, I'm afraid. So here she is, her name is Sarah Jane Marshall. She's one of these people who quite clearly gets dressed in the dark. These people put their makeup on and it's the wrong colour. I've seen a few people like that. You get, um, normally on a Sunday morning in London town, you're probably the same way you are. I should imagine Nick will probably discover it in Glasgow this morning. Um, people wearing the wrong colour makeup. It just doesn't suit. And you, and you feel like saying to me, it's the wrong colour. Have you looked in the mirror? It just looks odd. Very odd. Uh, take that, get £20 million all clear over tax. They've closed investigation, the tax chiefs, into the money owed. The band said in a statement the tax affairs are fully up to date after reports they'd not paid back the full amount owed. Insiders also claimed HMRC would release a statement today confirming its investigation was over. It was alleged yesterday that the band were awaiting the outcome of an appeal over the legal tax loophole scheme. 
So they've resolved to sort their tax issues out. Uh, TV's Kim trolled over over tot tragedy. This is uh, Kim Marsh, who sells every aspect of her life. And uh, this one here uh, goes back to... See, I thought it was recent, but of course it isn't. It's 2009. I mean, how many more old stories is this poor girl going to dredge up? You know, people who who trolled her at the time that her child died. Well, we know about this because we heard about it at the time. And we said then... You know, either report them to the police. Don't drone onto the newspapers all the time. Try and be a bit grown up. Isn't she voting first time this year? I'm amazed at how many people have never voted. Joey Essex has never voted. What a stupid boy. You know, um, Lauren Goodger has never voted. Mind you, most of these people are a bit thick, aren't they? And uh, Calvin McKenzie, in his column today, talks about um, the black mark over Tom. Tom Jones and the girl who claimed she had a three-year affair... Uh, with the help of his son. Charlotte, uh, with Tom recently pictured, revealed his son Mark, part of his entourage, would procure girls for his father. He even slept in the same hotel suite the first night his dad and Charlotte, now happily married to an L.A. lawyer, were intimate. When Mark, writes Kelvin McKenzie, looks at himself in the hotel mirror on its dad's world tours, does he see a loving and dutiful son or a pimp? Yes. Well, it was always said that Tom Jones used to request of the fan club. He didn't want to see older people in the front row, even though many of Tom's fans will be the same age as uh, as he is, which is, I mean, he's, he's almost um, 80, isn't he now? Is he 70? Something like that. He has had a wife of 60 years, but they don't live together. She lives in Welsh Wales and he lives in America and he goes on his world tours. And I remember reading a book about him years ago where Tom Jones had sent a letter to the fan club saying, listen, we only want, uh, you know, gifts that Tom likes, so cigars and towels would be rather nice. He's obviously got a lot of bathrooms. And so they asked for what... Because people used to throw knickers on stage. I never quite saw that, you know, at all. No, seriously. And uh, when I did my one-man shows, it was Preparation H thrown on the stage. Not quite as exciting, admittedly. But Tom Jones has always done his own thing. And if he liked the look of some girl, he'd say front row, third in, blonde hair. And she'd be invited back to the dressing room. That's how it's always worked with Tom Jones. Never been indifferent ever since I've known him. He's not the brightest penny in the box. You have to, uh, you have to say that because he isn't the brightest penny in the box. He just enjoys a drink and he likes uh, likes the girlies, you know. And uh, so good for him. Here's Lewis Hamilton. How much more of an idiot can you look? as he is uh, wearing a very silly hat that doesn't suit him, a leather jacket that looks like it probably cost an arm and a leg and three cows died to make it. And he's practising to be an actor, but these sunglasses walking through an airport and a, and a funny hat make you look a bit like Father Ted. It's not really the best look for Lewis Hamilton, who, uh, who just doesn't quite look right here. Freddie Starr's in the paper uh, over allegations that he head-butted his stepson. There's always something in the paper, isn't there? And uh, here's a picture I can only, only advise. This is uh, Louis Tomlinson out in a club the other day. Really shouldn't be. But he was out there with um, Niall Horan, who was out in a nightclub the other day. And he bumped into Towie reject Maria Fowler, who demanded a selfie. Uh, I can only offer you, Niall, this advice. Stay well away from her. OK, well away from her. I offer you that advice. Maria Fowler has issues. OK, stay well away 
She'll be looking to sell stories. OK, just thought I'd mention that to you now. You know, just so you're aware of people, because you might have just thought, because she's, you know, she's just another another bimbo type in a club with beach blonde hair who goes, oh, could I have a selfie taken? You go, yeah, and then somebody goes, that's Maria Fowler. Whoa, stay well clear. Stay well clear. Uh, other stories in the papers for today. Oh, look, Lucy Mecklenburg in a Dubai beach again. God, blimey, honestly, your life is so vacuous, you can't believe it, can you? And uh, And this is, she's with a photographer. So that's lovely. So well done. Let's hope you stay with them. She apparently has got a boyfriend at the moment. So uh, it's good. Good, isn't it? We quite like that. And uh, why did I save this one here? Oh, yes. Sorry. It was Princess Beatrice at work for a day. She's doing um, she's doing an official engagement. She only does about five a year. Doesn't really do a lot because, let's face it, if you were a school that had written in, you're going, you know, is it possible to have a, a member of the royal family? And they go through the list and they go, um, you've got Beatrice. You can imagine the disappointment, can't you? Yes, children, you've got Beatrice. We wanted the Queen. You're getting Beatrice. Prince Charles, we wanted Prince Charles or William or Harry. Who's Beatrice? That's the big question everybody asks all the time. Even her father probably says, who is she? Does she ever work? Does he ever say anything? No, because he does just about the same thing. Imagine how disappointed these little kids are going to be. She's going there. Princess Beatrice. Oh, God. Anything less royal, you'd be hard pushed to find. I do like Jeremy Clarkson. But he managed to find a nice warden the other day. He had um, a green Lamborghini out with him. He'd parked on yellow lines down uh, a side street. And, uh, and the traffic warden let him off. Which is good, isn't it? I like. You see, sometimes you get nice traffic wardens. He got out to have a look at a vintage black Ferrari in central London. And he was just looking at it. And the traffic warden let him off. That traffic warden would be in big trouble today. What do you mean you let him off? How can you do that? How can you let somebody off? Well, it was Jeremy Clarkson. You know, people do things like that. People do things like that. 84850steve at lbc.co.uk. And the Mr X car battles jail. Tell you about that one in a moment. Quarter past five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company for Monday morning. David says, how about... Cold cream soda and ice cream floating in it. That sounds quite... An ice cream soda. We used to buy Corona. They used to do uh, one of their sort of... It was, I think it was called ice cream or ice... It was called cream soda, that's right. And it had a, it had a nice smooth taste to it. And then you just added a blob of ice cream. That was quite nice, drunk through a straw. That was always very good. And, uh, and poor old Michael Dennis, the black cab poet, he said, right, well, that's it. Snow this week, he said. The strawberries are staying in the conservatory for the foreseeable future. <laughs> oh, dear. Well done to uh, Jasmine Nichuan, who's through to the area final. Uh, next, the Beck Theatre. Good for you. Well done. And uh, all the people following this programme recently, which is very nice indeed. And Jeremy Joseph did the... Marathon the other day. Lots of people ran the marathon. Well done to all of you. If you finished it, well done. If you didn't, doesn't matter. There's always next year. Uh, Sherry in the Philippines, she said, we went through all of this when my mum was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. This is the, the Greville Janus signing over just the other, a, f- a few weeks back, a, few, a couple of months back, something like that, uh, is uh, property, a £2 million property to the children. And I said, how is this possible? If you've got dementia... I don't think you're allowed to sign over. And she said, provided all the documentation, the wills were signed seven years prior to be diagnosed, you can indeed sign over all assets, otherwise it's a no-no. Well, these weren't signed over. They were only signed over when the police started going through his house and his office. And then he signed over this, I think it's a flat. Whatever it is, it's £2 million. 
It's two million pounds. And uh, it's been signed over to the children. But I thought that if you were... If you were what? If <laughs> Pocket change. Two million pounds. Like, pfft, you know... <laughs> Just sounds amazing, doesn't it, really? I appreciate there are properties like that, but it's just a bit odd. It's almost like he's sort of put it to one side so that nobody can get their hands on it. But if you've got dementia, surely that's not valid. You can't just sign something over. Because then, because otherwise you could make people with dementia sign over everything that they sign. Well, they sign that to me and you go, well, they can't because they've got dementia. And if his dementia is so serious, then you shouldn't be able to sign anything over. So uh, it's interesting. I, I will be uh, I will be checking. I'm sure the newspapers will be checking on that as well as to whether or not it's legal. I mean, does he have very serious dementia? We're told it's very serious. He can't appear in court on serious allegations. Uh, spread the word. No more Marge. We're trying to be healthy. We're trying to be healthy. I listened to a programme on the radio the other day and it was about type 1 and type 2 diabetes. And it was how, you know, it becomes quite difficult for people with type 1 diabetes to decide what they have to eat. And they had Dr. Hillary on there, who you know used to be on LBC for many years. And he was talking about it. And, and they were all saying roughly the same. There was one man with diabetes. He was type 1. He'd had it for about 30 years. And how difficult it was to manage it because he's constantly checking his, his blood sugar levels because they go up and down like a roller coaster. But they all agreed at the end of the day that you don't need to buy any special diabetic food. In fact, I think Thornton's and a few other high street companies have ditched their diabetic ranges. You do not need to buy anything that's got the word diabetic on it. You really don't. You can just eat normal food. It's just being able to moderate it and learning what you can have that affects you and what you have that doesn't affect you. So uh, that's why. I mean, there are certain things that I can't have, but I like them. But I know they're going to make me ill. Grapes, for example, are a classic thing for me. You would have thought grapes would have made somebody ill, would you? But, uh, it, but perhaps they've got this, this fructose in there. Whatever it is, that affects me quite quickly. And Indian food, which I absolutely adore. I adore Indian food. And I can only have dry Indian food because it's the sauces that completely send me through the roof. I remember having a very funny experience in an Indian restaurant some years ago where I sort of sat there thinking, and they were all going, you're right. I'm going, oh, God, I don't know. It was, it was just weird. I felt as I was having an extra out-of-body experience, which I seem to have most of my days, because I'm always looking at other people's bodies, thinking, I wish I was in that body as opposed to my one. Uh, the town drowning in the Costa coffee shops. This is Windsor. And, uh, you know, I mean, there isn't a too much to Windsor High Street. It's mainly tourist shops. I think there's a McDonald's. I think there's a pub. Uh, there's a big hotel there. And there's coffee shops. Endless coffee shop. Because what do we want? Coffee. When do we want it? Now. And so they've got three Costa coffee shops, three Costa coffee shops in Windsor. So you have been warned. We got them all out. I was count ours up, actually, in Twickenham, because I'm pretty certain that we've actually got quite a number of, of coffee shops as, uh, as well. Maria says, Lord Janner is a barrister. He'll have lots of knowledge about mental health and stuff. Well, I'm hoping, well, perhaps he hasn't. I don't. That's why, you know, we ask the, these questions. I think you should be allowed to ask a question. You should be allowed to say, how serious is it? Is he allowed to sign over his house only a short while ago when he was diagnosed, I think back in 2009, but it's now got so severe, I'm surprised he can actually go out at all or if he's just confined to his bedroom. He's 86. So we'll have to, we'll, we shall watch and, and see with that one. But it just seems odd, isn't it? Uh, Malcolm says, if you saw Britain's Got Talent on Saturday, what do you think about the hypno dog? I thought it was another one of these rubbish acts, I'm afraid. I don't, I mean, you, you don't seriously believe, honestly, please, God, tell me, that there is a dog that can hypnotise people. Least of all, Simon Cowell. That I do not believe in a million years. I just thought it was, I just thought it was silly. You know, the programme's got, got very silly. Uh, 84850, uk, And uh, Tom Jones, apparently, is uh, 75 this year. 
No, she lives... She's definitely Welsh Wales. I've seen the house. They've had separate lives for donkey's years. Donkey's years. Flying home, says Mary from New York. Forgot I had a, an NYC lighter in my handbag. And I bought it as a present for a friend. And it was confiscated to be destroyed. Wow. I said, I did... Oh, so you can't even take lighters on board play. I suppose something like that. Do you not put in your luggage that goes in the hold? Does that, does that not go in the hold? I'm pretty certain... I'm pretty certain, actually. Pretty certain. Uh, 84850. Katerina says, you're so correct as ever. Last year, LBC played some bit of an old programme of yours. You sounded very posh. I am very posh. I struggle to be... uh, (laughs) I struggle to not be posh, actually. Uh, On the subjects of the diet drinks, I find it very odd, as indeed you do as well, that people can have a diet drink in America, uh, which has got this thing in which they've now taken out so they've reformulated it uh, and yet over here we still have it on sale why is it that we have different things you go to america you can buy all sorts of medication that you cannot buy here and uh, i often worry about that are they are they right or are we right i don't know <laughs> i should imagine in america they're far more worried about lawsuits and people being very litigious uh, bad news is that uh, the Real Housewives of Cheshire, which was one of those dismal programmes I'd ever seen with a lot of fake, naff people, has been recommissioned again. The ITVB show, which follows the champagne fueled lives of six naffos. I mean, I've never seen anything so atrocious. The Americans are so much more classy. Our ones just look like trailer trash. Really badly behaved, but they've decided to give it another chance to win over fans with their antics. There was nothing... What is exciting about watching somebody going to get their nails done? What is exciting about watching somebody having a facial? Answer nothing. The real housewives of Cheshire were just frauds. They were fakes. They were ghastly. They weren't even interesting. The worst you can say about them, or the best you can say about them, is that some of them appear to have a little bit of money. The houses are just really low rent. Their antics are very low rent. And to say that there's not one of them who is good looking would be an understatement. They re- they're dreadful. I don't know why they bothered commissioning it in the first place. It was like, didn't, they, didn't we have another one? The Real Housewives of London or London Socialites. My God, that was a bunch of losers as well. Absolutely dreadful. Dreadful. Don't bother. Just show us the American programmes. They're so much better, so much more entertaining. Uh, a Nazi death camp survivor has uh, has returned 70 years later. No words in any language to describe the hell of Belson. Uh, the lady here in question is called Ava. She's still got her number tattooed on her arm. She says, I didn't want to die without people knowing what happened to us here. And I want to light a candle and say a prayer for everybody who has gone before. And so she went over there. There was another programme here. Kitty returns to Auschwitz. And that was a lady who took her son back to Auschwitz and she couldn't describe the horrors to him. She just stood there by by the gates trying to explain to him through her tears exactly what had happened. It was was a a stunningly moving programme. You just can't imagine at all. And this lady here, she's 90 She walked off a British plane at Hanover, mustering the strength to step onto German soil, and she lit a a candle for the dead. Seventy years on, she turned back up at the gates of Belsen. It's a very moving story inside the mirror for today. Uh, Other ones here. I didn't see Poldark, but again, millions of people apparently cried. It ended in heartache. I don't know why, actually. So, um, So millions of people tuned in. Even though it's got an average audience of eight million... Uh, when the original series was running, it was 15 million. And so now 
It happened, they say here, everything you wanted from a cliffhanger. Happened on a clifftop for a start. Ross finally gave Demelza, and he had a lot to forgive. I've never heard of any of these people. I've never seen it. I've got no idea what it's about. I'm not remotely interested. But if there's eight million of you watching it, then I have to mention it because there's a fair chance that a lot of you listening today will have seen Poldark and will have described it as gritty and a tragic ending. But the good news is it's coming back. The other thing that's coming back is uh, is Jane Fonda. I mean, she looks amazing. There's a picture of her in a lot of the papers today. Uh, she's uh, 77 and... Um, well, she looks fantastic. Whether or not under this outfit she's crumbling away, I don't know. But she looks absolutely fantastic on the red carpet. I was looking... I went onto YouTube the other day and I was trying to find lots of stuff about Greer Garson. And I watched an interview with her. Because she stars, of course, in Goodbye Mr Chips and also Mrs Miniver and a host of other films. She was just a lovely, lovely person. Married three times. Died at the age of 91. But then I looked at a programme where they brought back... I think it was a load of Warner Brothers stars. Was it Warner Brothers or MGM? And literally everybody who was anybody their stable of stars were trooped out. You'll never see the like of it again. There was Jimmy Durante, there was Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, Elizabeth Taylor, there was uh, Zsa Zsa Gabor, everybody. There was just everybody on this stage. It must have been about 50 or 60 of the top names in entertainment. And it was just there to, um, to take a, a photograph. To take a photograph. And that's why it was... The, and they said, you'll never, ever, never, ever see this, uh, this photo again. 84850 Steve at lbc.co.uk and uh, another one here. A lot of people talking about the stuff that you uh, bring back from abroad that they confiscate. They seem to be harder on it in America than we do in this country. It's 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning everybody. 28 minutes to uh, 6. I'll be getting the battle bus ready at the moment. Nick will be in makeup. And uh, it'll all go very well today up in Glasgow. 400,000 of you snubbing a diabetes test. It's not good. There are more diabetics in this country than uh, we are aware of, mainly type 2. And it's only because people just don't check. They just sort of think what they've got is something that's a passing phase. So if you sweat excessively, if you go to the toilet quite a lot of times in the night, it's just like constant weeing, uh, then there's a very good chance you're diabetic. However, 400,000 people with diabetes, are failing to undergo the crucial tests. A more worrying new study found that more than a quarter of those with type 1 diabetes are failing to receive an annual foot check, while 13.3% of those with type 2 diabetes are also missing out. This is despite the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence saying everybody with the condition should have checks once a year. And this is where they check your feet to make sure that you've got circulation. Because if there's one thing as a diabetic you can lose, it's your feet. It's toes amputated, feet amputated, anything up to the knee and further. Because once you get an infection in, that's why you've got to look after your feet. But if you're an overweight diabetic, the chances are that you probably don't look at your feet very often. Not many people do. That's why I advocate having a seat in the shower. Because then at least you can reach your feet. You can look at them, you can clean your feet, you can cut your toenails on a regular basis. You know, you can probably get a referral, I should imagine, to a podiatrist. And then you can get somebody to make sure you've got no hard skin on there. Making sure if there's a little cut on there, it's looked after. You know, if there's something you're not sure about, go back to the doctor. If you're a registered diabetic with them, they will be more than happy to uh, to sort you out because you've got to look after your feet. It's not, you know, for other people, it's different parts of the body. For diabetics, it's feet. 
Um, there's a father of two, a couple, sorry, father of two, there's a couple here who, uh, who invited their new neighbour in for a drink. That was nice, wasn't it? You know, you move into a house and they moved in to the, uh, the Morris Green Estate in Bolton in Greater Manchester. Well, yeah, well, no, a different place. And, uh, and they invited the neighbour in, you know, would you like to come in for have a drink? Yeah, I'll come and have a drink with you. So he popped in for a drink and um, he's, he's a father of two, Brian Bruff. And uh, the next thing is, th- three days afterwards, he nicked their car. He nicked his next-door neighbour's car, which was a silver Peugeot. Robert Rudd, who was the man who owned the car, reported the theft. 48 hours later, officers spotted it at Old Trafford Stadium. Bolton Crown Court heard that as police gave chase, Broff drove it up to 120 miles an hour. That'll please Mr Rudd, knowing his car can go that fast. It is a, re- it is a, a Peugeot, remember. And uh, the judge said that Bruff had repaid his neighbour's welcoming with cruelty. His third child is due today. He was jailed for 22 months, banned from driving for five years, so he admitted drink driving, dangerous driving, driving whilst disqualified and without insurance, stealing car keys and taking a vehicle without consent. What a fool. What a fool! Perhaps they can sort of, you know, throw rotten tomatoes at the house, but he's in prison for 22 months. Perhaps he'll stay there. Make it a lot easier, wouldn't it? Don't have to worry about people like that. Um, the other story that's in the paper today, the rich are getting richer. More young women than ever on the rich list 2015. Not necessarily through money that they've made themselves, but through handed on. So India Rose and Fawn James, that was handed on by Paul Raymond. As part of uh, when he died, he decided to, to leave it to them. And uh, I noticed as well that the Duke of Westminster and Elka Duggan remain on the list, dominated by self-made tycoons. Between them, the top thousand richest people are worth uh, £547 that's uh, up nearly half, nearly half as much again from the other year. Top of the list, it's uh, this Len uh, Blavatnik, owner of Warner Music. His fortune based on the shrewd investments he made when the Russian government controversially sold off the country's state-owned industries in the 1990s. Richard Branson, £4.1 billion, which is two places above James Dyson. Uh, Sports Direct founder Mike Ashley, fashion retailer Philip Green, all worth £3.5 billion. I bet their children are rubbing their hands. <laughs> Imagine. Daddy's worth four and a half billion. Who's going to get it? Me. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Celebrity Brigade, led by Paul McCartney, Elton John, £270 million. It's not a lot for a man who's still working, is it? When you think how much he's sort of given, and he's got, t- I know, £270 million is nothing to be sniffed at. But uh, when you look at uh, Paul McCartney, £730 million. So I realise that the Beatles were marginally more successful than Elton John, and he's never going to need to worry about uh, money ever again. But he's doing all right, isn't he? He's doing all right. He can't complain, I should imagine. But I think he actually likes working. He likes the touring. He likes doing all the things, and he likes getting out there and still performing. And he'll probably still be performing, you know, well into his 80s, if he makes that longer. Uh, Seven weight loss tricks in the paper today. I know you all worry about this on a Monday morning, because we do wake up, don't we? Some of us wake up, and, uh, and you do get to that stage where you think... Are you sure I ate this food yesterday? I have no control over my stomach whatsoever. Uh, 84850. Uh, our doctor claims there's no funding for feet referrals when I ask them. Having to pay uh, when I can to see a chiropodist, says Dan. Yes, you are. I think you are right on that one. You can go to the hospital and they will, they will check your feet over. But you're right, uh, you know, to go and see a podiatrist, if they do anything. The last time I went, I was charged £27. Which I thought, I mean, I don't mind paying £27 because I think it's, it's kind of important. But as long as the doctor checks everything, then I think that's actually 
better. I want to make sure that there is everything, you know, done that that is supposed to be done. Uh, nighttime munches. Very bad if you want to lose weight. Uh, nighttime eating poses a problem for many people who struggle. Uh, also, downsizing your dinner. Are you eating too much food? The answer is probably yes. Also, take care when eating out. You know, maybe not have a dessert. You know, very rarely are there healthy options on the menu. You know, you just, sometimes you just think to yourself, I've had that. I just quite like some melon for dessert. Could we have some melon? I don't think so. But you've got it on the, for, for a starter. Yes, it's a starter. Oh, right. Do you not do it for... Me- no, we don't do it for dessert. No. Drinking lots of water, apparently, is supposed to be really good. Although the other day in the paper, we were told, don't drink water all the time. I'm always drinking water. I like to, I like to think that I'm cleansing the system. Oh, you did, incidentally, didn't you, download the In Conversation programme? Because uh, we had Dr Christian. Just made us laugh, actually. We like Dr Christian a lot. He was very entertaining. Very, very entertaining. And, uh, and I think you should, you should download... You should definitely download because it's a good programme. And the other actor on there as well is starring in, what is it, is it Bomber's Moon? Down at the Whitehall Theatre at the Trafalgar Studio. And in fact, I had a couple of people wrote to me over the weekend saying, you won't believe this, we went to see the show on the Saturday night and, uh, and then discovered that uh, your guest was the star of it. Who's on In Conversation. So uh, join up with lbc.co.uk, learn how to podcast... And then all you have to do is um, is just wait for the stuff to be sent to you. We've got an LBC app on there, which works actually uh, for uh, for Apple iPhones and also for Androids as well. Free, free to download, and you get the free podcast every day. Sonia said, "How did Jana write to the House of Lords quite recently, saying he wanted to extend his leave of absence as he wasn't well? Does he still get paid? How can he vote?" Um, well, I don't know. Apparently. Uh, he said that he still wanted to be with the House of Lords. I don't want him making any decisions, thank you. Not at the moment. Um, and I don't know if he still gets paid for turning up or if they don't get paid for turning up. I don't think, put it this way, if he's got a £2 million flat, I shouldn't imagine he's going to worry about money. He was a very rich barrister, so I think, it's, I think that's, that's, not the, uh, that's not the main problem. The main problem is how, how bad, how badly affected is he? That's, that's, all, that's all anybody wants to know, isn't it? You just really want to sort of find out if he is capable of, um, of sort of appearing in court to, uh, to stand charges on these allegations made against him. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. I really don't think it's going to happen at all. Uh, I think Kate is hoping to give birth on Wednesday, as it's their fourth wedding anniversary, says Dave in Barking's side. Um, it's gone on for ages, hasn't it? Do you think she's actually in there? Do you think she's out celebrating with candy floss and toffee apples? Uh, Kevin the Milkman says, could you read out that rich list again, this time with the addresses so I know where to send the begging letters? <laughs> Just send them to me. I'll pass them on for you because I've got to sort out my own begging letters. Dear Philip Green, you know, could you see your way clear to lending me a little bit? It's not a, it's not a lot of money. Not a lot of money. Uh, apparently, cigarette uh, lighters are allowed onto the cabins. They're placed in a liquid bag. And once you pass security, they're placed in, in your pocket whilst in flight so that if they're ignited, you'll know and feel it first. <laughs> yeah, now I had um, 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 a letter opener confiscated in America. No, not America. It was confiscated in Austria. And they put that in a jiffy bag and they just gave it back to me at the airport to the other end. That was all those years ago. Do you remember that they then changed the cutlery on planes? So all of a sudden you ended up with um, uh, plastic knives. Like you can't do damage with plastic knives and forks. 
Amazing, isn't it, really? Uh, most watched show of the year. Britain's Got Talent, ladies and gentlemen. Highest rated, 11.9 million. Uh, it matched the audience for EastEnders live show in February. It's the most watched TV show of 2015 so far. Uh, Anne Kirkbride has been nominated for a soap award nearly four months after her death. I mean, it's, it's very nice for her to be nominated, but they shouldn't give it to her because it'll obviously go to her out of sympathy. Do you not think so? People, get, But, I mean, she's not there to appreciate it, so... So why why bother? Why bother? Uh, two lost Francis Bacon self-portraits are going on public display. The work, including this uh, this three pictures of him, have been rediscovered in a private collection. And they could fetch... I mean, to be honest, I couldn't quite ever understand how Francis Bacon ever achieved these huge amounts of money. Three pictures here, discovered in July, they could fetch £15 million. £15 million. Pounds, about £5 million apiece. Apparently, the art specialist Oliver Barker described the find as a pretty, pretty extraordinary collecting moment. He said, apart from being reproduced in books, they've not been seen. So there they are, 15 million, which means they could probably go even higher. Who can afford to buy those? Nobody. Nobody that I, well, nobody that I know. There must be loads of other people out there who can probably afford stuff like that. Uh, John Lee had to learn to be a normal human being again when S Club 7 broke up. He says his limo service was suddenly cancelled. Friends dumped him, but he's grateful his parents looked after his fortune. He said, um, because, you know, the S Club have got a reunion tour. Can't think how bad that's going to be. But anyway, following their split in 2003, he says, I remember looking out the window and there was no car. I was like, wow, how do I get around? I've got to get to the, how do I do the tube? He said, because I was so young, I'd never done simple things. I'd never written a cheque, paid a bill. I had to catch up on quite a few years, so I'd become a, a normal human being. He didn't only lose his limos, he's also lost some of his friends. He said, you know who your real friends are. When you're in a band, everybody wants to be your friend. They're like, we're best friends. When you leave the band, they disappear. And when you go back into the band, they reappear. It's a bit like magic. Luckily, the family took charges of his finances. He just said, uh, despite more than a decade apart, the band could always count on each other. We don't row. I know people don't want to hear that, but we don't. But they're going back out on tour. Now, he's actually forged a really successful career in theatre. So he's doing he's doing really, really well. But I'm glad his parents have looked after him. At least he's not declared himself bankrupt like so many other people who declare themselves bankrupts left, you know, left, right and centre, don't they? which is a little bit disappointing. Apparently, um, Stephen Hawking offers comforting words to any One Direction fans still distraught over the departure of Zayn Malik. You know, my advice to any heartbroken young girl is to pay close attention to the study of theoretical physics, says the, the, uh, the professor talking at Sydney Opera House. It would not be beyond the realms of possibility that somewhere outside of our own universe lies another different universe, and in that universe... Zane is still in one direction. He's mad as a fruitcake, isn't he? Mad as a... And yet we all listen, we go, oh, he, he must be right. Because he talked in one of the voices. And you think, well, he must be talking sense. So he thinks there's another galaxy where Zane Malik is still in one direction. Jack and Ori, Jack and Ori. Quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Coming up to 10 to 6, Monday morning. It's nice to have your company. It's LBC. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Kevin says, uh, forget the begging letters. I'm now off home to check the attic for an undiscovered Francis Bacon painting. Do you remember when he died, somebody went into the studio and picked up all these bits of canvas and bits of paint and everything else? You know, just literally, you know, when, when somebody starts doing a picture, if they get bored with it, they just sort of throw it away and start again. And so he collected all this stuff up. Worth millions. 
worth absolute millions. Uh, Tony and Therese are off to Vegas this morning to get married. They're having an Elvis wedding. We will be able to listen to you out there. I think if you're having a wedding, the last thing you'd be thinking about doing is listening to this programme. They do do it, don't they? Is it the little white chapel does an Elvis wedding? I hear you crying in the chapel. They do that, don't they, a lot. A little bit of an uncanny uncanny, uh, representation of Elvis this morning. Thank you. And uh, more on Greville Janner in the Metro today. A former MP... Uh, who's escaped trial over child abuse allegations because of his health, may have to face tests to prove he has dementia. Lord Janner could still be examined by expert witnesses, according to a lawyer for several alleged victims who've come forward recently. Richard Scorer says every avenue is being looked at to bring the 86-year-old peer to trial. This was in an interview in The Observer. He said, I've certainly dealt with civil claims before where the alleged abuser has claimed to have dementia and we've been able to have them medically examined in relation to that. I think he's been examined by four people, hasn't he? I think I think two, two or three of them are, are in fact, medically qualified doctors. The family say that he's done nothing wrong at all. But as I say, I mean, I shouldn't imagine half my family know that, you know, when I, unless you're following somebody 24 hours a day, you know, did he go to the park? I don't know. Did he not go to the park? I couldn't tell you. I have no idea. So uh, now here, a former detective inspector has claimed that an order came from the top to drop a prosecution against Gravel Janner more than 20 years ago. Kelvin Ashby said he'd found vital clues that Lord Janner uh, had had contact with a teenage boy, was, was told not to arrest him. I think we should have done, he says. I'm gutted that we didn't. He was treated differently because he was an MP. Oh, no doubt MPs are treated differently. But all sorts of... Look at the... I mean, put it this way, not in any way related, but people in, in a position of authority are treated differently. Look at Jeremy Clarkson and the traffic warden. They didn't give him a ticket because he was Jeremy Clarkson. He just sort of stands there. I'm Jeremy Clarkson. They go, OK, that's fine. That's OK. Because they then think, oh, now Jeremy Clarkson will like me. And I should imagine Jeremy Clarkson does like him because he didn't give him a parking ticket. In the case of, uh, of Greville Janner, it's a case that we just have to ask, is it possible to sign over your property only a few months ago when you've got dementia, which apparently is this advanced? Could you ever prove in a court of law? You know, there might be somebody else saying, wait a minute, I think I've got a, a claim on that, on that property. That's, that's, why you would, that's why you would worry about things like that. Uh, I love the fact that the Express are really banking on the fact we can have nice weather this week by uh, offering free summer bedding plants. It's amazing the prices of these things, isn't it? And so they offer free, free bedding plants. And in the next sentence, they tell you that the, we could be having snow. We could be having snow. And I'm thinking, and most of you have written in going, you're not serious about the snow. And I've said, well, um, sadly, I'm, I think I might be. It's certainly chillier today. You will notice that it's, uh, it's very, very chilly outside this morning. So take a coat with you. Make sure you, uh, you wrap up a little bit warmer. And if we get snow, at least you'll be prepared for it because you heard it first on LBC. David Hay, the boxer, has been arrested uh, and put in a cell after being accused of fraud in Dubai. His passport's been seized over a bounced cheque for £341,000. I, um, I have said before, I, I can't remember the last time I wrote out a cheque. Every single thing now you can do on transfer. My bank transfer, I phone them up and I say, we need to do property maintenance charges. And they say, how much is it? I tell them how much it is. I tell them the account it's going into. But they know that because they go, right, we've already, we, we pay this every three months. It's like when I pay my VAT, which I've got to do for the end of next month. I shall fill out all the details, send it off. They will come back and say it's been accepted. I then contact my bank and they will transfer the money over because we do it on a regular basis. If we don't have the money in that account, we'll move it from this account. So to actually write out a cheque nowadays is a pretty rare thing. Although I do appreciate the fact that some people 
probably always write checks out, but I haven't written a check out for it would be it would be quite a quite a couple of yeah, I would think a couple of years, at least a couple of years now, not writing not writing checks out. Uh, let's quickly do uh, some more here. Let me just uh, quickly sign on to this one here. And uh, uh, Maria says, a lot of the uh, the new women on Made in Chelsea are looking a bit chavvy. I, do you know, I thought that was me saying that, Maria. It could be me, only in your voice, uh, saying they do, don't they? They, they? Some of them look a bit... They don't look as though they're cultured at all. Do you think it's an influx of chavvy people moving in from that Chelsea council estate? Do you think so? You watch, that'll get somebody going. I can guarantee it, if indeed they can even manage to sort of, you know, get through their rage to write something. Uh, one winner, scoop the lottery. National rollover, 7.8 million. That's nice, isn't it? That'd be a nice amount. Do your bit for charity. The government have done their bit. They've decided to send, I think, 5 million to help the uh, the disaster in Nepal and Kathmandu. Dreadful, absolutely dreadful. I don't know how far £5 million goes. I'm hoping it goes quite a long way, but there's a there's a lot of things to be um, a lot of things to be sorted out before that. Uh, also here, the uh, I mentioned the uh, the picture earlier on about uh, Lewis Hamilton looking really quite peculiar. I don't know. Perhaps it, somebody said to him, "You must wear this. It makes you look fashionable." And everybody else is going, "Please don't wear it. Please don't wear it. You really do look ridiculous. Really." Royal Navy top brass plan to send drones. To search for stricken refugee ships in the Mediterranean. These drones are coming to their own. Far from being told a while ago, which we were, that uh, these are dreadful. They appear to be using them for all sorts of things now. I did notice. Was it the um, was it the Coast Guard who intercepted and found uh, two million pounds worth of cocaine? And I thought that's lovely. But there is so much money in cocaine and drugs now that uh, you lose two million pounds here, but you bring in another two million pounds a bit further up. So you can, and people think, oh, right, they've, so they've lost all their drugs. No, no, no. There's so many of them. So many of them. There's a driver going by the name of Mr. X. Seriously, he's going by the name of Mr. X. He's been jailed after losing a five-year battle to dodge a fine for speeding. Jailed for, after a five-year battle. Ashley X, who changed his surname by deed poll, repeatedly refused to say who was driving his car on the M11 in Essex. It had been snapped doing 67 mile an hour in a 50 mile an hour stretch of roadworks. He took the case through six courts before finally admitting intending to pervert justice. What a fool! What a fool, honestly, as if you can get away with something like this. Mr X, who comes from Ealing in West London. I'm so sorry, Ealing, an embarrassment for you. Sentenced to nine months. Police were praised for persevering with the case. Absolutely. But even they must have been going, oh, well, it, it kind of paid off, didn't it, in the long run? Nine months, should have been nine years. So he took it through six courts. It turned out he was lying all the time. All of that for a 60 quid fine. People think they can beat the police. You absolutely can't. Because they, they stuck with it. They persevered and um, and they they were right. They were right. They absolutely stuck with it. And he got nine months in prison. I mean, he'll be out within uh, within about six months. But even so, it doesn't really matter, does it? It's the fact that they, they stuck with it. So well done there. Uh, the sad news was that uh, the wife of news veteran John Suchet, who works one of our sister stations in this building, has died after a decade-long battle with dementia. Uh, John uh, Suchet wrote about it. He wrote a book about it, and it affected him very badly. Bonnie was 73. They'd been married for 30 years. He openly spoke about her dementia battle. And uh, she died on April the 15th. And the family have requested 
privacy. So we send our sympathies to uh, to him and to the family as well. Joey Essex says, "Put me in the cabinet." No, let's let's put you in a in a in a cabinet and send you far far away. I quite like to post you somewhere because you're. He's gone silly again. He he wants to become a cabinet minister despite never having voted. He's too stupid for words. I'm afraid we don't take any notice of this idiot. He's never voted. But uh, he says here that they have to be grown up. This is the language he comes up with. Nobody else in Essex speaks like this. They mug each other off, calling each other geeks and donuts. It's unprofessional. They mug each other off. Who says that? Who says that, ladies and gentlemen? Absolutely nobody says that. It's like nobody says ream. Nobody at all. It's just a silly little made-up word, and they're trying to sort of turn him into something, but there's not really a lot you can turn Joey Essex into. He's not bright enough to to be a a politician, although some might say that doesn't really matter nowadays. You don't need to be bright. You've just got to be convincing. The trouble is, he's he's not convincing either. So it doesn't really help, does it? Nick Ferrari and the team will be coming to you live from Glasgow this morning as the LBC battle bus starts off. A week-long campaign up and down the length and breadth of the land. They'll be finding out about this HIV test, which you can do at home. It's another one. It's just a little blood test. Apparently 97% successful. 97% successful. Would you really want to to test yourself? I mean, if if you thought that you had HIV, would you want to know about it by doing a test yourself? Or would you just go straight to the doctor and ask them to do the test for you. I don't know how much it is. I'll find out more about it after the news. And also, would you pay £3,000 to smuggle up to Benedict Cumberbatch? Obsessed fans across the world, just to do that, they pay £3,000 for their pictures taken with him. I'll do it for a tenner. Okay, I'll do it for a tenner. It's LBC News at 6 is coming up this morning in a matter of a minute. The race to save the Brits who were caught up in that dreadful avalanche after the earthquake at Everest. Uh, the Beckhams, who just have to hijack just about everything. You do wish they'd go back to America and stay there. Tears as millions watch Poldark end in heartache. Uh, the broccoli breakthrough, apparently. If you want to treat arthritis, eat more broccoli. Tattoos. Younger people are shunning them. It's the mark of a midlife, my, midlife crisis. The, uh, the millions ignoring the dangers of chicken. Over 75? Sign this here and we won't bother resuscitating if you're ready for death. Uh, the oldie worker hailed a hero. All he did was something so simple, and yet he's become an internet sensation. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Monday. It's the 27th of April, ever near polling day. Can we sway you? Can we help you change your mind? Can we sort of introduce you to more politicians? We certainly can. The LBC Battle Bus for the general election 2015 hits the road this week. Joining Nick for breakfast is the one of the foremost powerful men in the UK, the Chief Secretary to the Treasury. That's Lib Dem. Danny Alexander. He's in Glasgow. You can visit the LBC Battle Bus in St Enoch Square. They'll also be finding out about this HIV test that you could do at home. I suggest you do it with people. I mean, it's not like doing a pregnancy test. You know, you're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. An HIV test is something a bit more serious. Is it successful? We'll find out this morning on LBC. And why is it, says Nigel, uh, that Stephen Hawking speaks that way? 
And the answer is, it's the same voice he had when his then state-of-the-art computer voice machine first produced it decades ago. Well, if a modern mobile phone or a sat-nav can sound like Laurence Olivier, why does he sound like a Dalek in a dustbin? Could changing his voice be a bad career move? Well, I mean, do you think, given the... Do you think now he's got so used to hearing that voice? Because you're right, with modern technology, you could make him, you know, sound actually quite sophisticated. As a to sounding a bit like the... Or like that. You could actually make him sound... You know, if, if he sounded like Alan Carr, could it be any more likeable? I wonder, what, really, whether or not he's had that same voice. But because technology is... Mo- you know, he's supposed to be a highly intelligent person. He's way above anything that I could ever converse with him. If he thinks that, seriously, on another planet, there is Zayn Malik who's still in one direction. I mean, I just don't can't even compete with that. That's what he said. That's what he said at the Sydney Opera House. You know, for all those people worrying about Zayn Malik leaving One Direction, on another planet there could be another Zayn Malik who is still in One Direction. You do sometimes wonder whether or not he is completely barking mad or whether these people are just so super-duper intelligent that it's just, it's gone above us. It's like art, isn't it? Whenever I read Brian Sewell, and Brian Sewell talks about art, and I begin to wonder if I'm on the same planet. Like listening to film critics. They start analysing the most ridiculous films of all time and sort of, and here and this and the wind blow and, the, and oh, it's a film. You either like it or you don't like it. There's nothing worse than that sort of pretentious film critic, and we all know who they are. A glass of wine, apparently, can give you a sexy glow. It's a good idea, isn't it? So if a glass can give you a sexy glow, imagine what a bottle could do. Um, Justine Miliband, in the papers today, photographed. Oh, dear, all over the place. Cycling all over the place. Wrong way down a one-way street. And uh, crossing over, going down, you know, the wrong thing. Do not drive down there, straight down there. Broke every rule under the sun. You know, they would normally carry quite hefty fines. But uh, she seems to have, have got away with it. I don't know why, actually. I can't think why she would get away with it. Convicted thug has been signed up for Celebrity Big Brother. This is some dipstick from uh, from The Apprentice, James Hill. They're hoping he'll spice it up. I'd rather we didn't. I'd rather we sort of left convicted thugs where they belong, in the dustbin. Uh, also, a jailed paedophile who murdered three children has died in captivity, having requested his death be kept secret. This is uh, Ronald Jebson. His wish, they've, uh, they've denied him his wish that uh, he passed away from kidney failure ten days ago. A bitter and, a bitter and twisted man. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch here. It's interesting that there's, uh, that there's lots of people talking about him, including one of the papers who talks about the fact that uh, people pay a lot of money to have their pictures taken with celebrities. And uh, it's quite big business. It's a bit like corporate hospitality. Corporate hospitality is worth an awful lot of money. People will, especially when you get to Wimbledon or you get to big football matches, the corporate side of it is worth a fortune, an absolute fortune as as people go there and they want to, you know, be treated really well. They want to really enjoy themselves. Would Deirdre be a trifle proud? Yes, that's Coronation Street legend Anne Kirkbride nominated for a soap award. That's months after she uh, she died and passed away. And very sad that was, too. I still watch it, though. The trouble is, with, with, with it being television, you still watch, don't you? Because you're under this, this vague belief that they're still there somewhere, that they're watching it from, from another place. There's also a teenager. This is a girl called Sophie Wilson. Sophie Wilson's obviously quite a brave person. She saved a boy who tried to end his bullying hell by killing himself. She performed CPR on Bradley Parks after she and her friend found him hanging from a tree in woods. They raised the alarm before Jenny and uh, daughter Kia arrived to help and uh, held him by the legs. Sophie said somebody burnt the rope from the tree using a lighter. He wasn't breathing. His pulse was very weak. I learnt CPR at school. 
and I started doing chest compressions. He started breathing again. Well done to her. Well done to her. You know, that's, you know, a young man who, because of bullying, uh, please say they're now investigating. It's a shame, really, isn't it, that, you know, somebody feels so bullied that they have to take their own life, in which case they, you know, change everybody else's life for the worst, I think. So she did the best thing. She saved him. Uh, Coronation Street, dreary old Sarah Harding. So far, we've not seen her, but by God, you can't shut her up, can you? And um, she says here she wants to keep her new man, Jason, to herself. She won't be taking him to glitzy showbiz events, as she says, I learnt from my mistakes. I wish she would. You haven't learnt from the latest one. Keep your mouth shut. Just get on with the work and stop droning on about it. Nobody's interested, OK? Your God in heaven, I mean, you know, you're heading towards your 40s now. I thought you might have grown up a little bit, but apparently not. Same old Sarah. Yes, I've got my boyfriend. I'm going to be talking about it. Like Denise Van Outen, turning up on every programme under the sun to talk about, you know, a minor little part in EastEnders. I mean, who cares? Nobody cares. I'm trying to find the story of the, um, of the uh, young man from Aldi. And the reason he's uh, become an internet sensation is because... And he only, he only works in Aldi. I don't know what he does in Aldi at all. But he had a customer in there who was 93 who bought some shopping. And, um, and he, couldn't, he couldn't manage it. He couldn't manage to get the, the shopping home. So this worker from Aldi literally walked home with him. He held his hand and he held the shopping for him. And he's become an internet hit because people are saying, isn't that a lovely thing to do? And the answer is, it's only something you'd have done years ago, isn't it? Would you not have done that years ago? I think you would have done that years ago. You'd have helped somebody. If you'd seen somebody in a in a shop and they were fairly old, you would have just sort of said, listen, can I give you a hand with that? And they'd have said, oh, I live just around the corner. And you'd go, well, I'll, I'll walk you back home. So that's what he did. And people have said it's a nice thing to do. It's funny, isn't it, that we that we reward somebody for doing something that, you know, was just... You'd just do it to anybody. You'd, you'd want to help people out. If you saw an elderly person there, you would want to make sure that you could help them get home. You'd want to see somebody taking their stuff from them. So that's what he did. He walked him home. I hope Aldi rewards him. I mean, I know it's just for doing his job, but I hope he does do uh, do something. I hope they give him sort of, you know, a pay rise or something interesting. Because I think that would be a, a nice gesture. And maybe encourage other people. Maybe encourage other people to do something as nice which is uh, lovely. Uh, the drug smugglers. This is Indonesia. They're going to press ahead with uh, the execution of eight foreigners. I think we've exhausted everything. Officials have given the traffickers from Australia, Brazil, Nigeria and the Philippines 72 hours notice. See, I'm not sure whether you'd want to know that. Would you want to know that? You're sitting there for ages and ages. Uh, Frenchman uh, Sergei Atlui, also on death row for drug-related crimes, gained a temporary reprieve after Paris stepped up the pressure. Uh, the group have now been moved to this uh, prison. The executions took, t- could take place tomorrow. And uh, the British grandmother, Lindsay Sandiford, uh, has accepted she will soon be executed. She said, I just want to get it all over and done with. That was an old story from the uh, other day in the papers, which we read on LBC. So she's been sitting there since uh, 2012. But uh, they have zero tolerance. You smuggle drugs, they execute. They're not, they're not wasting time. With anybody, they're not going to be um, they're not going to be sort of handing out reprieves anytime soon. And I don't know really how far we've actually gone with helping her out. I've always said if they're drug smuggling and they're caught, kind of you know what the uh, what the situation is. It's not going to not going to change. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Oh, true words from you, says Ed, regarding the facade uh, that is Joey Essex and why this idiot really shouldn't receive the media oxygen. I mean. Uh, 
Were you aware in a recent interview you thought Nick Clegg was the leader of the Liberal Democrats and that he didn't know that Cameron was the Prime Minister? Well, he can't tell the time. I don't know why we're worrying too much about Joey Essex. But, uh, you know, what we do in this country is we applaud stupidity. And for that reason, they put uh, Gemma Collins on Celebrity Big Brother. As I say, she'll sit there in tears because nobody will want to talk to her. Nobody will have anything to do with her. And she'll suddenly realise that she needs to either buck her ideas up or grow up. Preferably both at the same time. Quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 6.20 is uh, the time. I did tweet the other day that I had to cancel my afternoon tea on Friday. It was I was a bit bereft, I'm afraid. It was a bit of a disastrous weekend as regards my... My lovely afternoon tea with James O'Brien's producer. So we're going to have to we're going to have to reschedule ourselves, which I'm sure we will do very very quickly. Uh, Steve, can you remind listeners you can get a free HIV test from your local sexual health service? Yes, they do offer them. There's lots of free places. This HIV kit, incidentally, is twenty nine pounds. It gives results within fifteen minutes. Good lord, it seems an awful long time, doesn't it? Of a pinprick test, and. Uh, 15 minutes. You see, the the interesting thing is here, I, I test my blood uh, not that often. Every so often. I know if I'm feeling ill, so there's no point in sort of testing it. And uh, I could do a, a, a pinprick with the blood. You've got a little needle thing, and you just go, like that, and go, ow. <laughs> you, just, you put it on a little slide, very carefully not to touch your finger, but just the drop of blood, and it gives a result within 20 seconds. So this one is in within, within 15 minutes. It's 99. 7% accurate. It's only available online and positive results must be confirmed with a doctor. And uh, the uh, the Bioshore boss, Brigitte Barr, says the kit would enable people to discreetly test themselves. Crikey. Uh, although the Terence Higgins Trust have welcomed it, saying rates of undiagnosed HIV remain unacceptably high. You see, th- th- that I agree, but I'm not sure people can afford £29 for a test. I know you can get it for free, but some people are frightened to go for a test, aren't they? So, you know, it's very nice of the Terence Higgins Trust to say that, you know, it's a brilliant idea and it's very innovative. Of course it is. I think it's, I think it's marvellous. But I don't think they've got £29. You know, the sort of person who's going to be having unprotected sex, if they can't afford condoms, they're certainly not going to be affording £29. This is the, uh, the teenage Aldi worker. He's pictured in the paper today. His name is Christian Truesdale holding a pensioner's hand. Uh, Samantha Jane Brady, who posted the snap, says, it's rare you see young lads doing such things. He comes from a store in Greater Manchester. He says it was down to how his... What did I say? Down to how his parents raised him. You know, if you see somebody elderly... So this uh, this pensioner's hand, he's 95, and he took him home with his shopping. He says, I don't know him, but he was struggling, and it was my immediate reaction to make sure he got home safe and well. And Samantha Jane says... It only goes to prove that good people still exist. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. You know, that's, you know, it's it's a rare thing in this day and age, isn't it? You see something nice. People actually treating elderly people with a with a little bit of respect. On the subject of tattoos, says Melinda from Eel Pie Island, which I know quite well. I've seen quite uh, a rise in the amount of people with the bandaging of a recent tattoo. They put plastic round it, don't they, I believe. I was, I was, somebody was giving me the lowdown on how tattoos work today, I, I, well, yesterday, and it, it, it didn't, uh, didn't really strike me as being the kind of thing I want. All of them were older, says Melinda. Perhaps you should get one for your 40th. Thank you. Uh, M&S Satsumas are my favourite, by the way. Yes, they <laughs> Satsumas. I don't think they're called Satsumas, are they? They're called Narandos, aren't they? Or some, something like that. They're just, easy Peelers, yeah. Do you think there is a tree called the Easy Peel Tree? 
<laughs> it's got bananas on it and apples and stuff like that. Why don't they make an apple that's peelable? That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Or failing that, a pineapple that's peelable. That'd be a nice thing to have. I've just had a look at some pictures. I think they're on the LBC website now of the LBC Battle Bus. I've forgotten it's two-tier. I've forgotten it's two-tier. Very excited by that. And uh, Nick is up there in Glasgow this morning with the team. It's worth, uh, worth dropping by. It's worth taking a picture of it. I mean, I'm, I'm quite happy with the pictures. The boss has been taking pictures and tweeting like mad this morning. I, mean, I'm, I can't work out if he is actually up there in Glasgow. I suppose uh, somebody must be, must they? And um, and Phil says, you could get Stephen Hawking's in for In Conversation. I'm sure you could talk about aliens and he might help you get one of those Star Trek zappers so you can get rid of those phone users in the quiet carriage. Do you think so? Or do we, or do we seriously believe that he is mad as a fruitcake and we've all been fooled by it for ages and ages? You know, because it's in the kingdom of the uh, one-eyed man. Also, it's the kingdom of the blind man. The one-eyed man is king, not... That makes sense to you? No, it didn't make sense to me either, actually. I don't know why I said it. Sorry about that. I'll get round to it later. Uh, right. Oh, God, I've just realised we've only got a few more minutes uh, left on the programme. And uh, apparently Rod says Stephen Hawking has refused options for a new voice. That's a shame, isn't it? I thought he could have a new voice. I quite like the idea of trying him with sort of somebody else's voice. Which, would be, which could be very, very interesting. Uh, apparently, uh, Ferrari Force One is genius. And uh, everybody's re- retweeting, actually. <laughs> Everybody loves it. It is, it is, quite, it is fab, actually. And uh, it's arrived in Glasgow. We're all live from the LBC Battle Bus at 7, goes my boss. And uh, <laughs> there we go. He obviously must be up there. He's obviously, he must have either left very early this morning or went up last night. Uh, I set out to do some shopping one day, encountered a young woman who explained we knew each other from a previous swimming gala. She looked as if she'd been waiting for me, loitering with intent. There you go. I'm hardly as rich as Croesus, Steve. Uh, I like the idea of sort of, of sort of bumping into people and they go, I bumped into a guy actually on, was it Saturday morning when I was in Kingston very early? He was trying to find something for his daughter and I suggested JD Sports and he said he couldn't find it in there. I think it was one of those, it was a skirt for doing netball or something which came with built-in tights. Either way, he was having a lot of trouble with it. And he said, everything good? I said, of course it's good, I'm shopping. I was having a great time. I went to a company called T2 and I bought some cups but they were Turkish design. Really, really nice. Front page of the mirror, Ed Miliband. Put your house on Ed. He lacks duty for first-time buyers uh, on houses up to 300,000. Deirdre up for top TV award. Massive rescue op after Quake. And life after Poldark. Daily Mail, detox your kitchen. Good Lord. Wasn't aware it needed detoxing. And the GP is going to ask GPs, ask all older patients if they'll agree to do a do not resuscitate order. Over 75, sign here if you're ready for death. The terror on Everest, 65 British climbers still missing. Uh, We're not hearing any fatalities yet. Yet. Front page of the Sun, the Beckhams hijack the marathon. It's all about them, isn't it? It's just all about them. You'd think they'd stay in all the time. So they've all had these little T-shirts printed, but because they've got jackets over the top, you can't actually see them, which seems a bit pointless. It's sort of Team Romeo. Perhaps they are living in sort of some gargar land somewhere. I don't know. Rescuers in the race to save seven Everest Brits. The Daily Express. New hope in a fight to beat back pain. New tremor hor- horror excuse me, on Everest as Nepal death toll hits 2,500. Metro, Team Romeo. Again, you see hijacking the, uh, the junior marathon. Other people raising a lot of money, but the Beckhams have decided they want to take it over for their own ends. It's a bit disappointing, really. It really is. They just spend their time flying backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards um, to have pictures taken. 
For what purpose? I've got no idea. Uh, 50 Brits among the missing in the Nepal quake, say the Metro. Uh, Independent, thousands more feared dead. Dozens stranded in the sub-zero temperatures. What is it about Everest that just drags people there? There is, there is some, some lure, some pull, isn't there? Um, an exclusive letter to the Telegraph today of 5,000 small businesses who helped to get the economy moving again. George Osborne, given the chance to finish what they would have started, a change now would be far too risky. And finally, the front of the Times is uh, Paula Radcliffe, who ran in dark glasses. She had a few tears, she says. Labour's sweetener to help by the first home in the race to save the climbers trapped by the Nepal quake. We know nothing of what goes on inside the earth at all. Have a lovely day today. I'm looking forward to my day chatting to Tito Jackson and Catherine Jenkins. It's what? Is it? Is it looking? The sun's out. What already? Good heavens above. How does that affect us, said one union leader? I have no idea. We'll probably get round to it a bit later. And don't forget, there could be snow later in the week. You heard it first on LBC. You can listen to LBC whenever and wherever you want by downloading the LBC app. It's lbc.co.uk if you missed any of today's show. There's the LBC podcast app, available on iPhone and now Android phones too. Go to the LBC website, do it now, and then invest in podcasting. But I do have a free podcast up for you in around about 15 minutes' time. It's as fast as we can go. Nick Ferrari and the team, they're in the battle bus for the general election 2015. They're in Glasgow today at St Enoch Square. And so all the team are up there. Coming up next on LBC, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC. 